Satilcast, episode 497, Forbidden Dawn. <laughs> Zero West. And this week we're going to talk a lot about Dying Light 2, Horizon Forbidden West, Elden Ring, <laughs> some Dark Souls Remaster fun, and Lost Ark. Stay tuned. Machine Dinos. That's right. Uh, yep. It's the Tiltcast. Welcome back. Starting with a can. It's an M-rated show. I'm Nas. I'm Rusty. There's no Jason because he's dealing with his wife for her birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Crystal. Um, so with that in mind, get ready for some amount of time's worth of bullshit. Bullshit. Some games, some news. Uh, it's just me and Rusty again. We're having another duo cast. We felt pretty... Pretty confident about being able to get this done today by ourselves. We've both been playing some major games. I've been uh, dealing with uh, Lola Nostalter tonight. Mm-hmm. She's, yep. uh, she's been a really uh, goofy pup the last couple of days. It's She's snowed in. We've got f- fucking snow on the ground. She can't take a walk. <laughs> she gets really rowdy. Um, and she's snowed. It, there is no snow on the ground anymore. <laughs> Yeah, but it's still co- too cold to take her on a walk. Uh, it wasn't too bad today, but then again, I don't walk during the day, so... Well, there's... <laughs> so, we're in the Mid-South, is what I would call it, mm-hmm. and we still don't do real good about clearing roads, and it just dumped a whole bunch of ice on Wednesday. Yeah, it did. Um, so, like, three inches of ice pellets, basically, just started dumping in waves on Wednesday, and... Stayed out there for a while, and me and Lola decided we were going to try to walk on that the other day. No. Got these stupid little booties that have little rubber feet on them oh, that I tried to put on the dog. <laughs> she fucking hates them. Of course she does. And we both, like, slip and slid all over the cul-de-sac, trying to walk around a little bit outside um, on my lunch break that day. And I was like, nope, this nope. is super cold. actually have to wear pants. Bastard. Um, <laughs> <and laughs> she... Wasn't even getting grip with the little rubber booties that she had on her feet. And uh, so I just, you know, she's like tugging on them with her teeth and like mad. Yeah. So. And so I just picked her up and then I slip and slid my way back to the house. Um, Pampered dog. Oh, she's super pampered. Super duper pampered. In fact, she was uh, upset at about eight o'clock tonight. It is. I guess I haven't said that part. It's about 11 o'clock. It is. At about. I don't know. It's about 30-something degrees outside. In fact, it says 30 degrees outside. You're pretty on the uh, on the spot right there. Yeah. But the other day, it was like 10. 30 degrees and clear. It's supposed to get down to like 23 degrees tonight, so. Yeah, it has actually been kind of cold. Like, I've actually been wearing, I don't normally wear long pants inside, but I also don't want to crank my heat up to like 73 or 4. Okay. So, today's a little bit, you know, it got into the 30s, so I could wear my shorts again. <laughs> um, but I have been wearing long pants for the last few days indoors, which is kind of weird for me. Imagine wearing pants indoors. I don't, I don't <laughs> like wearing long pants. So, yeah. Got three pairs of jeans that just about never get worn. In fact, they're as new as the day I got them. Yeah. I, I have, I have... I have a couple pairs of jeans. I destroyed a pair of jeans. I don't know where your uh, where your pad is. No. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna need that pad. Uh, okay. Here is your your dead tree. 
Um, yeah, uh, the I have work pants, uh, and that's about it. I I never use, I never never fucking wear blue jeans outside of like going out to uh, well the podcast, obviously, uh, or um, uh, or going to work, and that's that's pretty much it. It's either sweatpants or fucking shorts or whatever. Uh, and during the summertime, oh my god. I have to wear pants at the fucking data center, so. That's so well, but they also keep it like sixty-five in there, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, it's well about sixty-three degrees is normal right at the floor, so, um, it's it's pretty cold. Yeah, <laughs> but it's refreshing because. Oh my God! Does it get fucking hot here uh, around here in the summertime? It'd be 120 degrees outside, and there's a 60 degree difference going inside. I'm perfectly fine with that. It, so, <laughs> speaking of degree differences, so Casey's back in town. Oh yeah. So we've had him on the show a few times. He's a real long time friend. He's been a friend of mine since before we did the show. Mm-hmm. And he's been overseas, not actually seeing combat. Thank God, but right. he's been um, deployed and. He was telling me that he's been wearing layers in the house because he's not used to (laughs) normal temperatures. Where he's been, it's been a normal day is 120 degrees, getting upwards into the 130s. Yeah. See. So, and he's mm -hmm. used to wearing long pants in that degree difference. Yeah. No, I'm good. Like, it takes some getting used to to acclimate to that kind of heat. But it also takes some getting used to to acclimate to 60 degrees colder or nearly 100 degrees colder at this point. Oh, yeah. Um. That's that's crazy to think about, but yeah, no, no, it's it's you get used to it because you have no other choice. Yeah, he said, um, uh, "I'll let him tell the story." But he was wearing layers in the house. Yeah, at normal seventy degrees. Was, yep, definitely wearing long johns inside. Yep, I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, I know, I know. There's uh, uh, there are people like that uh, up north. It's it's very similar in the wintertime, like. My dad and my brother, you know, they're constantly out in sub-zero temperatures, some, you know, you know, sub-freezing temperatures all fucking day long. Uh, and when they, you know, when they get home, uh, I mean, the house doesn't get hot with them because they're so acclimated to the cold that in the wintertime, if it's like 60, 60 degrees inside, it's fine for them. You know, because they're so used to being cold all the fucking time. So it's, it's, you know, it's a thing all over the, you know, all over the planet really. But yeah. Yeah. The human race is uh, an interesting species. Yes. Yes. We are. make to all the things. Yes. Yes. We're, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to, uh, you know, to go like, I don't, I don't want to fucking talk about it, but I, I'm, I'm worried about. Yeah, like the whole world right now. So I think we all are. I mean, uh, I can bring that up. Like, there's a couple of things that I'm worried about. Like, one of the bands I like is called Ginger, is out of Ukraine right now. Mm-hmm. And like, half the band is stuck in Ukraine. I'm supposed to see them next month. I don't know if that'll happen or not. Obviously, I'm a pe- pe- person worrying about persons, right? Like, right. If they got to do what they got to do. I'm okay. You know, I'll miss that part of the show. That's okay. Um, I would hope that they would be on tour and not in Ukraine, to be honest with you. But well, yeah. But there's got things you you know they have families. They're not just people that. Right. Yeah. Four A Games is another company that's out of uh, Ukraine as well, which is the people that made Metro. Yeah. 
see, and that's and and that's a thing. I mean, you'll see it in the gamersphere too, as uh, as things. The other thing too, and not to get into geopolitics, right? right but don't. like some of the sanctions that are happening have to do with semiconductors, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's going to cause some issues too on the what we have available, right? Uh, it's it's what they will have available. See, it's exports is what uh, from what I was able to see, exports to uh, you know to that we never really got. You know, semiconductors from you know from Russia anyway. Now we get them from Taiwan um, and China. And yes, there'll probably be more you know more stuff. We're basically in the first few you know, few days of what's going to be a really really long fight. So um, it could be a really short horrible fight too. We don't know. Well, we're we're hoping it doesn't get any worse than it really needs to. Nobody wants world um, war right now. Nobody wants any war right now. Um, uh, so in, instead of getting into geopolitics because it's a, kind of a touchy subject, it would just know that... matter, I think everybody can universally say fuck Putin, so... Well, um, he, he, yeah, he, he he's definitely off his fucking rocker, that's for goddamn sure. Um, just the shit that he was saying was off the yeah, fucking rocker. Yeah, I know, I've been... I've been um, keeping up, like, when something like that happens in your lifetime. You know, I've been saying some memes, like, it was saying, oh, thank God we're coming back to uh, the summer, uh, the first normal summer we've had in two years yeah, about and war. Then, right. Right. Exactly. Th- this has been kind of on my mind because, um, you know, because some of the streamers that, you know, that I've watched for, you know, coverage in Final Fantasy are based in Ukraine. Uh, and Is it because uh, of the time zone difference? Well... That's one of the things, yeah. I mean, you know, I tend to uh, I tend to watch a lot of Australians and Europeans because it's daytime when it's my nighttime, and you know, vice versa. So, um, you know, so I tend to uh, I tend to follow a lot of people that are outside of the you know, United States. Um, one of them, um, Zeppla, uh, was really. Uh, was really concerned about the whole thing, like for about, I would say about a, a little more than a month when, you know, shit was starting to, you know, build up around the border. She's been watching it and keeping her uh, viewers up to date on that stuff. Uh, and uh, about a day before the, the you know, the first... Uh, portion of the invasion started she uh she had said i've got my go bag ready it's probably gonna happen tonight uh and then a few hours later uh she said i hear arid sirens i'm in the car and i'm already heading towards poland you know she had uh she lived in the capital you know she she has yeah she has a house in in kiev and she uh, she went and stayed with a uh, with uh, somebody that she knew out west, which was more like, you know, about a few hours away from the Pol- uh, Polish border. Uh, and then she heard air raid sirens in the town that she was in, which was away from Kiev. Uh, and she's like, "I'm in the car. You know, pets are in the back. My go bag's ready. Gone." Well, and it's like I was even telling you before the show. I've got a friend of mine that hit me up. I've Really long time friend that I've known since high school um, was hitting me up today, and she was like, "Yeah, so me and my husband are in uh, Paraguay." It's like, 
oh, you're back home. I was like, you live in Austria. She's like, we don't know what's going to happen. Right. She's like, so we're on an extended vacation to Paraguay until we figure out what's going on. She's like, I got all my stuff here, all the people at my company. She runs a VR company. Mm -hmm. And, uh, which we may actually hear her at some point. But yeah, like it's just, things are crazy right now. It's it's pretty nuts. Uh, And it's going to affect a lot of, you know, a lot of shit. Like, it's going to affect... Um, I mean, obviously the immediate effect is, you know, you know, life and liberty, obviously. Um, but you know, it's going to affect, you know, um, you know, energy prices. It's going to affect availability. Um, I'm sure that the geopolitics is going to have long-term effects on shit. And at our age, like you have stuff in stocks and your stocks are going all over the place right now because, right. you You know, know. Nobody knows what's going to happen and what it affects and all that other stuff too. Right. You know, and I mean, there's you know, there's game development studios and you know, and you know, people in tech that, uh, you know, that are in, you know, if they're not in Ukraine, they're in that region, and it is, I mean, you know, if you talk to people, for instance, in Estonia, they they have had very similar situations with you know with Russia, where Russia has been threatening to invade them too. Uh, you know, and well, and that's crazy because you that's look at of, Estonia and basically you see beautiful architecture and beautiful ladies. Um, it's on I my bucket list to visit <laughs> while I'm single. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with Estonia, but man, they breed some really beautiful ladies there. Um, good genes. <laughs> very good genes. <laughs> but, uh, the, um, you know, it's it's just a really rocky area uh, in the whole the whole fucking like the whole region's, you know, on edge right now. So we're, we're definitely watching that shit. You know, we definitely don't want to go too far into geopolitics here because we tend we're, to stay away from it. But. Well, we're not experts. And honestly, the nice thing about our show and that I would say take this advice to any of your friends, right? Like, we're not divided amongst politics. Like, we've been long-term friends. We all have different views on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, we still see each other every single week and talk about things like rational people. Right. Um, which I don't think is the state of most of the country right now. But uh, yeah. Um, that aside, we're just not a political show for a lot of reasons. Like, the, if you get into politics too deeply, right, or you virtue signal or whatever, right, you put yourself on one side or the other every single time. Yep. And it's... I think a lot of even game sites do this right. Um, will put polarizing things out there that they know fit into the political spectrum, and mm-hmm. it's annoying. It's it feels like clickbait. Well, and I don't like. I don't want ever people to engage with us in that way. I want people to engage with us on our knowledge, and the way that we feel about the games that we play, and and from a very un. Well, that's biased in a way, but not biased in a way that we're paid for anything. So you guys never – everything that we talk about is very much comes from a place of uh, experience with the product that right. we paid for. Right. Or maybe didn't because it was free to play. Um, well, or, or it's on Game Pass because we're uh, we're apparently shills for that shit, right? <laughs> yeah. Unintentional shills for Game Pass. Right. We need money for that shit. I was telling somebody. Um, I think it was – I was talking to TJ, and I'm going to have him on the show eventually. I was talking to him again about this the other day. He's like, you have to come on Tilcast since I talk about you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
we were kind of talking about like Game Pass. And I was like, there was a point where I kind of got really depressed for a couple of years. And that was helping me try stuff out and like kind of keep semi interested. Mm -hmm. Like there was even a point, I'll say like big chunk of 2020 for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I got in a really weird headspace and I, that was, it was more than just ADD guys. Like it got to a point where I just, I was playing something because I want a conversation because I wanted you guys to come over. And then I knew that there may or may not, depending on what people were playing, be new conversation. So I was literally doing something for content for a show that was also keeping me going to have people over here to keep my sanity. It's like a whole feedback loop. There's a whole meta game there. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was fairly objective with what I rated, but now I'm in a place where I love playing games again. Yes. Um, which is the whole purpose of today's show. Yes. Is to talk about two potential, the two, two of the biggest releases that are going to come out this year. Like, there's just no doubt about it that we are played two of the biggest releases this year. Yeah, I've completed one of them. Uh, <laughs> well, I won't say well, completed. I've actually I, I beat it. Uh, I completed one of the, like, B-tier releases this year, too, though. Yeah. So, like, so, let me get the easier stuff out of the way real quick. Okay. So, I played Dying Light 2. Right. And I finished Dying Light 2. Nice. And under 500 hours. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> I can explain that. So, main story quest, I think if you just mainline the story quest, which would be pretty hard without the abilities and stuff, um, you could probably do it in about 30 hours. I okay. think 30 to 35 hours. Yeah. The side content is fun. So, to kind of, I now that I have a full grounding on this, I feel like I can fully rate it. So, here's what you do with the side content. Um, there's things that you do, a lot of stuff you do at night, and it's just a building that has lootable items in it, essentially, right? And the there'll be puzzles in that building for how you navigate the building, and puzzles for creatures in that building that you need to navigate around. So there are certain infected that are very dangerous until you're very powerful um, to take out, and it's worth sneaking around them. Um, there's a lot that you don't have to, the regular infected, you don't have to sneak around, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, once you get powerful enough, you can fucking like ax your way through all that shit. One shot things. Yeah. Like I got to a point, you'll get a crossbow at some point, um, depending on your, you can look at it. It's part of the unlocks that you get for unlocking the different power stations. Mm -hmm. And that crossbow with ranged damage gear, one shots, all zombies, two shots, the bigger zombies and the special five shots them and it's got a five sh well with the gear I had it was five shotting them and it's a semi-automatic crossbow I know that makes absolutely no sense no I understand um, it's got a ma it's magazine fed and nope. so you load a magazine of bolts in there and you can shoot five times before you have to reload and it does not take that long <laughs> and they're, they're not that expensive to make for every ten scraps you have gets you ten bolts it's basically one bolt per scrap and when you at that point in the game, I had like 999 scrap on me all the time. So right. I was always crafting shit. So I was just like, fuck it, do that. And then you got special bolts, like light, lightning bolts. You got, of course, you got bolts Zeus. that, yeah, you've got all sorts of like elemental effects that you can tie to them, like fire and lightning and acid and all sorts of shit. Right. And it gets to a point where you're stupid overpowered with that crossbow. So, like, I actually like playing with that. But earlier in the game, you don't have a lot of ranged weapons. You have throwing knives and you have molotovs. And that's all tied to your range damage. All your thrown items are all tied to your range damage stats. 
So you can get grenades and upgrade your ranged damage stats and throw a grenade, and then it fucking, like, blows a huge pile of bodies apart. Nice. So back to my original point, though. You go sneaking through these areas, and the way that you level up is you got to get the this inoculation thing, basically, right? Mm-hmm. You get three of them, and that gives you a point in your overall stats, which you can invest in stamina or health. And then that also upgrades the amount of time you can spend in the dark without having to get into UV light or take the antibiotics or whatever that you, that you can take that extends the time. Right. But initially that timer was like three minutes. And then by the end, my timer was like 13 minutes. So okay. I almost never was using them. And you pick them up in all the random lootables a lot of the time. So like I got to a point where I had like 50 of these things on me. So I could have just stayed out all night every night without ever picking anything up for days and been fine. Because <laughs> you don't have – you have inventory limits, but you don't have weight limits or anything like that. Right. So okay. like everything maxes out. Like item-wise, I think at 99. Um, and then your scrap, I think, maxes out at 999, like all your random shit. So anyways, long story short. Right. Um, you navigate through these areas. You go find the pickups to get your level up. And then the XP you get from that, you'll get XP, you'll get items from the quote-unquote quest for going in this building to do the thing. And then that'll filter into combat or parkour XP. And then you can add additional points after you unlock that to different points in those trees. Okay. And they're all fucking overpowered as shit. And it's great. Like, there's a dropkick thing that will fucking send a human or a zombie flying like 30 feet. So, like, you can dropkick enemies off a tall building and then you're, you're just done with them. <laughs> Um, it, and the enemies have a great time. And honestly, the enemies have okay <laughs> loot. Like, it's, there wasn't really ever a single time where I got great loot off an enemy. Your loot's found in the buildings, right? And your loot's found in the loot stashes and in the convoys and shit like that. So your loot is all found not from defeating baddies, but figuring out the puzzle. Okay. So you can go a long time without doing a lot of fighting, but after you get the fighting leveled up a little bit, the fighting's pretty pretty good. Pretty good. I was Pretty showing good. you like the windmill move, which was real fun. Right. It's it just basically sits there and spins. Like yeah, spin to win. It's it's so crazy to watch from a first person perspective, like a windmill, like a whirlwind move, because it does like a a three sixty in in game. It kind of slows down time just a tiny bit. Yeah. Um. But it's just a it's a weird visual seeing a. A 360 th- move. <laughs> yeah, the camera spin at 360 degrees. They're like, okay, all right, that's kind of a weird thing. Like, you would never do this in a real fight, but hey, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take my battle axe and spin it a big circle. Right. Um. Yeah, the combat's fairly simple. Like, there's a lot of, like, block and parry stuff and <clears throat> sidestep stuff for, like, when you're attacking enemies that actually have movesets, essentially. Um. But it is really satisfying to cut heads and arms and legs off with that combat set i suppose or just knocking shit way away with a fucking mace like it's really fun um fucking zombies <laughs> it's uh like you've got like a limbs are held on by rubber bands <laughs> yeah it still has a little bit of the weird physics stuff where you like knock something into some kind of thing that like fucking shoots them to space occasionally or shoots them like way across the screen um they've been addressing those bugs. I think most of the people that liked old dying light don't mind those bugs cuz they're kind of funny. Right. Just kind of like the uh the the giant hammer from Skyrim, right? Uh where <laughs> yeah. you just where you die and you end up in fucking orbit. Yeah. Uh <laughs> there's there's a lot of toolkits for climbing up buildings and you get to a point where you can have so much stamina that you really can climb basically empire state building size stuff. I mean, and the buildings are really fucking tall in that game. The game 
area is very vertical. Like I really didn't explore every single building, but I explored a fair amount. I didn't do every single side quest, but I did all but two that I know of. There's not a lot of radiant quests, but as you unlock areas, it unlocks quest markers on your map. Mm -hmm. And then you go and do those quest markers. Some of those are really short, like parkour challenges or combat challenges, which are kind of great. Um, and then some of them are full-fledged, like, whole side paths in the story. Um, and it doesn't really gate anything off. Uh, it, it Well, it does. It tells you when it's going to. But then when I got past credits, it gave me the option of going back and actually finishing that stuff out. Okay. So um, there's a whole thing with basically like a post-apocalyptic mail carrier service that I did a whole quest line for that was probably 10 hours worth of quests, maybe? Five to ten hours. Damn. That was really entertaining, and I liked it a lot. It's mostly getting to really hard to reach areas and doing some fights, and then a whole plot line completely twisted around after that, which was kind of interesting. It's filling in a whole library worth of books, um, which is a whole bunch of stuff like, you know, I think Homer's Odyssey was in there, like the Adventures of Huck Finn, like the fucking Quran and like the Bible. And like you're finding like all these like famous books for this collector to try to pass on knowledge to, you know, the next generation of people. Okay. But yeah, the overall game though, I can see some pretty major changes. Like when I, the last point I got to was a pretty major change towards the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Some pretty significant choices changed the flow of the game a lot. Um, I checked, there's like four endings to that game, basically, um, that are all very different. I got kind of the mostly good ending, um, which I think if I play it again, I want to see, like, I want to see the cityscape change a lot if I do certain choices. I don't want to spoil it, but, like, there are some things that are, have some really drastic consequences on the citizens of the city that you can pull. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think you showed me, like, one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, yeah, there's some... They did a pretty good job. The story is not as top tier as I would have liked it to be, but the direction it's given you and the reason it's telling you to do things makes sense. The voice acting's pretty good. I wouldn't say it's, like, Oscar-worthy. The uh, gameplay is very fun. The bugs got ironed out after the first week, more or less. I still had the rage, a, occasional frame drop. <laughs> You're going to just sneeze. <laughs> Rusty's over here like about to blow his eyeballs out trying not to sneeze <laughs> you know how you try not to sneeze did you fart <laughs> <laughs> it, it went, went all the way through your body it and went out the other end the and the dog picked it up right away and she came over and she's like are you okay <laughs> yeah that reminds me so earlier today i had i was really excited about some random stuff today and i couldn't sleep and so i slept like four hours last night and then i had to take a nap in the middle of the day i just got really tired and i'll sleep about four o'clock it's like that's a good time to take a quick nap and didn't set an alarm or anything i kind of blacked out my bedroom so it got kind of dark dog curled up next to me and kind of passed out and then I woke up, and she's, like, growling at me and pushing me with her head. And then she's, like, pushing on the small of my back with her nose and her paws. It's like, was I dead? Wake up. And I was in my in my mind, in my brain, I was like, it's the middle of the night. I need to finish sleeping, Lola. 
And she keeps pushing me. I was like, oh, it's fucking dinner time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was seven, It was almost 7.30. And she's like, dude, wake up. Yeah. You're, wake not supposed up. To, you're not supposed to be sleeping right now. What the hell? You're I supposed to, like, to be feeding me. What the I fuck? had to wash, you know, like the, the sleep sand out of my face and like roll out of bed. But like she was like trying to push me out of bed. Yeah. The dog is you know, keeping you on track. So I guess if I was like dying or something, I can count on her to pay attention. Right. So, but, you know, I, uh, it, it, well, welcome to the night, you know, welcome to the night shift. Woo-hoo. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but it, uh, but anyways, yeah, Dying Light, I am set on a solid four and a quarter. Do I think it's going to make game of the year? No. Mm-mm. If they add more content to it. Which they will. They because... will. Because they've already added content to it for free. Right. They added a bunch of like armor packs and shit that you could get from the one of the factions. But I mean, like, original... I think it'll be longest lasting entertainment source or close to it. You really could just go back in there and fuck around, or you could just replay it and get a completely different take on what's going on. Like, I found a character I killed off about midway through the game that mm-hmm. plays some pretty important parts later in the story. Mm, okay. That I completely bypassed because... He's uh, dead. He's dead. I wasn't... At that point, in the way that I was playing the story, I was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not with this dude. So, I guess you're just going to die. And then I had some other story beats that I could see would play... Like, it always throws this, like, timer out when you're about to make an important decision. It's usually about 20 seconds. you got to make a decision. you got to stick by it. And it's always auto-saving, so you're not safe-scumming it to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, well. So, it makes you make some decisions. Eh, let's see. Probably about 10 major decisions, I would say, just off the top of my head. That's probably not 100, obviously not 100% accurate. Let's just say it's in the neighborhood of 10. 10 to 20 total decisions that you make that affect the overall game arc. And those big story beats kind of make a difference. And they're never in the side quest. It's always in the main quest. Um, there are, Well, there's some side quest stuff, too, that I think affect people's reactions towards you at the end it's possible yeah because there's a whole arc at the very end that kind of goes through an epilogue of kind of what happens and everything else towards the end mm, okay I, I really liked it though four and a quarter is a super solid standing for me um i think it's pretty high marks i think it actually fits pretty close to the metacritic to be honest with you um yeah if you like dying light one you might not like dying light two because it's more of an rpg okay I mean, I can I can understand that. And I night's like... not night's not as dangerous. I think night is night is laughable after you get a bow. It's just you're not as fast paced because you can't see that far in front of you, and you gotta you can't just run rooftop to rooftop because your flashlight only shines out a few feet ahead of you. So you kind of need to make sure that you can long jump really great distances in the event that you're getting chased. Um. Dude, the first night on Dying Light One is hardest balls. You, I mean, the that's a, it's a, it's way more intense than this one. Right, that first night, the first run where you had uh, where the uh, the fucking drop happened at night, and you have to go get it uh, to save. Like, I think it was like a little girl needed the fucking you know needed Needs the medicine. medicine. Yeah, uh, and you had to go get it that night. Uh, you know, and. You go, uh, you go there, and you get the medicine, 
your fucking flashlight dies and you are running in the dark and the only thing you hear is like this fucking like monster behind you running after you. And I'm like, that reminded me so much of like, there was, I mean, there was a, a it's a, a faster paced nemesis moment. Right. Uh, but it reminded me. Uh, RE3 for you younger gamers. <laughs> it reminded me of a thing that happened to me, you know, growing up. Um, I was, I mean, growing up, you rode your bike everywhere because that was the way that, uh, that was the way of the world back then because I'm a fucking old fart. Um, but what happened, I live in a really rural area with a lot of fucking woods and shit. And, uh, and I was riding my bike. I rode my bike over to my buddy's place. I didn't follow the, uh, the instructions of come home before dark. Uh, I left just at dusk and it was probably, you know, a good half an hour, 45 minute bike ride because that's how far away my friends were. Um, <clears throat> so I'm driving, you know, I'm riding my bike down a fucking, uh, a, a back road in the woods, black as fucking night. There was no moon, nothing. And I, <laughs> I, uh, of course, you know, I, I had tipped over. I broke my fucking bike. My bike wasn't fucking, you know, working. So I left my fucking bike and I was walking down this fucking road. And I swear there was like fucking the sound of paws on pavement behind me. And I flipped. I And I started booking it like. I'm not a fucking, like, I, I was always a chunky kid. Uh, but I started going, and I did not stop until I got home. I don't know what the fuck was behind me. It could have been a stray dog. Or a coyote. Or or, or anything. But well, you're in Michigan. It could have been a wolf. It, I mean, not in my area. It just, it, it messes with your head. It, it hits your lizard brain. Right. It messes, it messes with your head. And then when I, you know, I got to that point in that, you know, in, in that, and it just reminded me of that, like the lights went out and I have to run. And all I hear is like this fucking monster running behind me. It hit that same spot. And I'm like, oh my God. And that, and it just stuck with me. So, um, if, if there's anything like that, then. There's a little bit of that, but it, those are the so those creatures are the ones that are typically in buildings. Mm, okay, and those are the ones you need to sneak around. Okay, well, yeah, fuck all and that. And apparently, does. they're not affected by flashlights. Not th so. Pro tip: you can use your flashlight anywhere. Okay, and it's kind of required because they make the game intentionally dark in dark areas, right? Where I you saw. have to use your flashlight. Like there was black on screen. It's and like, it does. If okay. you have a card that'll run ray tracing at all, highly recommend it. Tune your settings to do ray tracing in that game. It will make all the difference in the world. Right. The dynamic lighting in that game is great. Because, I mean, the flashlight only illuminates where you're pointing it. And it's not like you were explaining it like uh, uh, fucking Doom 3, uh, where the <clears throat> flashlight was basically required in there. Um, or the duct tape mod. Yeah, or, the, or you use the duct tape mod where you could just put it on a fucking gun. Um yeah, I hated switching flashlight to gun to shoot, then back to flashlight. It was so flashlight, and then you sh you know, pull the shotgun out and you shoot where the red eyes are, and that's then that was and then how you, you see fought. the enemies and they flash your gunfire. 
Um, but this, yeah, the dynamic flashlight, well, like the lighting in the areas is really cool too. Like you can see lighting in the distance, you can see little reflections of things. But like you'll be in a parking garage that is just fucking black. Mm -hmm. And then you shine your light and there's just like tons and tons of creatures in there and you're like, oh, fuck. I guess it's time to break out a whole... Let's go ahead and craft about 20 Molotov cocktails. And let's go to town. Mm -hmm. All right, fuckers. Here I am. And there'll just, be a few hard ones in there, but... I'm just going to piss some gasoline in a fucking bottle that I had in my pocket. <laughs> well, and there's some red barrels, too. Oh, okay. You, <laughs> I'm like... So I don't know how he lights it. I guess he, like, turns the spigot and then pulls out his lighter, but you can light it in your hand and toss it. Oh, okay. Like a huge fucking bomb. Okay, that's nice. It'll also call all the fucking runners when you do that, but it's kind of worth it because then you just Molotov them as they're running at you, and then they can't run because they're on fire. <laughs> um, because reasons. I mean, you know, they react to the fire. Okay. So, another pro tip, right? You're dealing okay. with the If you're done all the things running behind you, just you can hit Y on a controller to spin around. And you just drop a Molotov right behind you, and it'll hinder the progress of everything running at you. Okay. Um, I think it's like a police chase. Like, it gets up to chase level four. Chase level four is, like, fucking impossible. Um, I got up to it, like, twice, and I instantly regretted it both times. I just died. Mm -hmm. um, death doesn't play a super stiff penalty. It just it screws up your XP. Um, okay. Which so. is just time. So It's time. It's something you can make up. You still get your items. Okay. So if you went to go grab a bunch of items, those stay with you even if you die somehow magically. Um, <laughs> you can still make suicide runs into, it's called a night uh, night activity. If you go there during the day, there's like quadruple the amount of enemies in there, plus extra special infected. So like it, it gets really fucking dicey if you go inside one of those in the daytime, but I tried it a couple times and just waste a shitload of resources killing everything. So okay. like, let me just break out about 30 Molotov cocktails, which took me about an hour to farm to clear this thing. I could have done at night with just my fucking axe, basically, and, uh, or my bow, um, and maybe a couple of consumable items. But yeah, overall, Dying Light 2 is really fun. Um, don't want to, basically at a certain point, you're like a flying Spider-Man um, that drop kicks shit off, off buildings. So like it's, it gets pretty overpowered and stupid and crazy at a certain point, and it's 100% fun. Um, it's a great power fantasy game. Okay, and it's very RPG. It, yeah, there's wish there was a new game plus, but I understand why they didn't do it because it doesn't fit the story arc, and a lot of the unlockables are kind of like part of how you get to certain sections of the story, so, right. so to speak. Right. So why would I unlock my paraglider early? Early when it's part of how I get to another part of the story. Right. It's kind of kind of Zelda esque in some ways. Yeah. Um, another game that's kind of Zelda-esque, uh, that, you know, that I basically no-lifed. Um. How many hours we put into this? Oh, boy. It's hard to tell on PlayStation, isn't it? It really is. Um, I think if I had to guess, it's probably between 55 and 60 hours I played Horizon Forbidden West. Um, yeah, and you be did you beat it with most of the side content complete? Yes, I beat it with most of the side content complete. Um, I was at like 83% completion on that game. Um, I am only missing five achievements to platinum that game. 
Damn. Um, and a lot of that stuff's like collectible stuff. You got to get to a certain area that's really difficult or something, right? Yeah, it's, it's you know, for instance, like getting, you know, a fully upgraded legendary or something like that. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. But... Um, Horizon Forbidden West. Let's uh, let's let's get that out. Uh, that that came out just before last podcast, and I had played like maybe a couple hours of it, um, where I'd said something of uh, something to the effect of, "I think it's all motion capped." Um, I am convinced that all of the speaking parts were mo capped, um, and all of the like little fully, cinematics fully acted, fully acted had to have been because there are. You know, there's body mannerisms that I've seen in uh, Horizon during, uh, you know, during conversations that could only have been picked up through motion capture. Like the way that people are talking and how they're moving around uh, and how they emphasize things, um, like how they deliver their uh, their lines. It It's just like if the the voice actor had been mocapped during that, uh, you know, during that performance. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that's what they did. Um, that is, it, it adds a, a, a layer of life to each one of the interactions that you have there because everything feels way more alive. And it's not just body mocap. They did facial mocap as well. They had to have because. I mean, the tech is there. You know, because. You know, when they're delivering their lines, you can see like where they're squinting their eyes or they make a, you know, you know, or they grimace or some, you know, some, you know, facial uh, indicator during, uh, you know, during the lines. It's great. I think it's, I think it adds way more um, life to that game. The, um, the uh, the the characters that you uh, that you run into, of course, there's some characters from the original game that you know that come back and reprise the roles. Uh, the there's some new characters. Uh, the whole story for uh, for this has to do with uh, the tribe lands out west. They're forbidden because they're you know held basically by a war tribe. Um, that's actually broken up into three sub tribes. Uh, they're called the Tanakh, and they're uh, they are a a very interesting uh, a tribe of peoples because they uh, they they take their um, it's it's blood and steel. It's you know, it's very uh, soldier-esque. You know, they've got uh, – they're a warrior society. Uh, but their war so warrior society is built on, you know, uh, on a uh, a set of projections from a museum. And those projections show like, uh, you know, special task force, you know, troopers – you know, taking on, you know, uh, enemies behind enemy lines and things like that. So everybody is a soldier. Uh, there's commanders, there's uh, things like that. They, you know, because it's all tribal, they base their own tribal mythology on the past, which is one of the unique bits about Horizon. It's always been kind of 
very tribal, but there's always been these influences that have been picked up from the old world that gets kind of rolled into the, uh, you know, into the, you know, the tribal mythologies. Uh, and for the Tanakh, it's basically just like a special task force style, you know, there's squads of, you know, of people and, uh, and they, uh, they use tattoo ink to, you know, to show their, uh, their achievements in battle. So people who are bare armed are basically unproven soldiers and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see, um, what I, what I like about Horizon's always been the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the way that they take the old world and kind of put this, uh, this tribal stuff over top of it. Uh, and you see the influences from the, uh, of the old world in the new world. Of course, uh, you know, the fact that you've got basically machine dinos, uh, is, is another thing too. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's an interesting, I'm, I'm missing the word for it, but it's, um, anyway, it's, you got, you know, people running around with bows and spears versus like high tech, you know, it's, it's an interesting, you know, bit from there. Um, the story has always been really great with Horizon, uh, because you're basically trying to uncover something that's thousands of years old in, you know, you know, through little bits and pieces of corrupted data. Uh, and as you go along, you start to see that things are not necessarily what they're, you know, what they seem to be. Um, and some characters are definitely, you know, duplicitous. So, the big, big change with Horizon Forbidden West is that holy fuck is this game beautiful. This game, you could take screenshots of it. Uh, in fact, John actually took some screenshots of it and it looked like pictures. Like somebody had went out and took a picture of fucking like a landscape. It looked great. Uh, all the way through, this game is like, I'm sitting here going, oh my God, this game is beautiful looking there's vistas that you can go to that just look fucking fantastic i know um, um john from uh picking up the pixels was telling me that some of the screenshots of that game look like photographs yeah and, and he posted a whole bunch of it and i was like yeah kind of agree i was only slight so my basically my pen and paper paper dnd crew of control and a little bit excel got the Say all two of them got like the stupid editions for Horizon Forbidden West, right? Um, but I, I'm definitely interested. Um, it is. They are. They were super excited to play it, and I mean, you know, I've been excited as well. I've just been stifling it because I was a little bit more. I was anticipating Elden Ring being a Souls fan a little right. bit more. Yeah, no, and I, I completely understand that. Um, Horizon Forbidden West just it struck me because uh, Zero Dawn had a you know uh, had a a portion in the story where you just say, oh, fuck. Well, it hits a lot of high points with some of my friends. So my friends are huge Transformers fans, right? Well, so, yeah, there's that. So yeah. giant robots plus a little bit of a kind of a post-apocalyptic story plus great graphics plus, you know, that group is like Sony all the way. Like when it was back in the day, mm -hmm. they were always – we 
teased each other console war style. Ah, gotcha. Um, and so it's, you know, they're Sony's big flag st- flagship game. Of course, I always just shit on it just a little bit just to piss them off, but it's not, it's all in fun. Um, I, I definitely want to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the timing on it could not have been worse for me. True. But I think that that, you know, that it's, you know, it's only going to get better. Um, you know, because, well, with, with Horizon, um, they did some really great DLC for it, uh, you know, on the, uh, on the original, uh, and on Zero Dawn, they just, they just went, you know, and added extra to it. And it's awesome. The, um, with Forbidden West, I almost guarantee you there's going to be DLC for it. Um, I, I won't spoil anything, but I, I can tell you that there'll probably be DLC for it. Um, it left it open for some additional content. Yes, it left it open. Um, the, uh, <laughs> man, there's always a twist with the, uh, you know, with the story with Horizon. And I know, I remember the twist from, uh, from Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, the twist in, in this one is, is pretty good too. Um, it's, it's really good. Uh, but some of the, uh, uh, some of the stories that I found that were most impactful were some of the stuff that you pick, you know, that you find just in the world. Like, um, there's always these audio logs that you can find in certain places. Uh, and, uh, they, you know, in, in this one, it's basically audio logs from, you know, from soldiers living out the, you know, the final battle. Uh, and I mean, that's what the Tanakh basically, you know, you know, based their culture around was these fallen soldiers. Uh, and you can see the, you know, you can hear basically like they're going up against a, uh, you know, an unstoppable force like the, you know, the, uh, you know, the machine play get, you know, was going to get them eventually. They just didn't know it. And that was the thing about, uh, uh, about horizon zero dawn is they just didn't know that this machine plague was unbeatable. But, uh, yeah, it's, I, I will tell you right now. Um, I, I spent, uh, I would guess probably around 55 hours. Uh, if I had to guess, that's a solid length for a game. Considering I've, I've spent fifty five hours in the last week, that's pretty fucking crazy. Um, you've got <laughs> at this point, you have. It's hard to talk. It's. It sounds like the appeal for this is the story beats itself seemed like it made an impact on you. the the way The presentation of the story made an impact. The way that they did it made an impact, and the gameplay made an impact. The characters definitely had. Uh, had a good feel to them. As you go along, you uh, you meet so, a bunch of fucking characters. So far, the biggest things for me with Horizon Forbidden uh, Dawn is or, I felt like the Forbidden Dawn, Zero Dawn, Zero Dawn had issues with its pacing and where you went. And okay. I really hated the name Alloy for some reason. I thought that was the dumbest name that could have made for a character. But oh, for Aloy, Aloy. Um, I think Aloy is a really dumb name, but. These are very minor gripes. Okay. I I guess 
I don't know why you would hate on the word uh, on the name Aloy. It sounds a lot like Aloy. Um, <laughs> dude, you got uh, okay. Uh, this is, it's, this is a very, it's, it's not even considered a spoiler, but I would, I would say that the, there's, there's a dude, um, or, or there's a tribe of, uh, of people that are based off of, uh, like corporate culture. Uh, and, um, conceptually I thought, so I don't have the mass appeal of robots as most of my friends okay. do. And so conceptually the robot dinosaur thing I always thought was a little bit dumb, but I liked the gameplay enough to get past that. Okay, but you didn't get to the point of the game that really even explains what they are. It was it was forgettable to me because I forgot already. Okay, but that and and that's the thing. Like f- uh, when you did uh, when you played Z- Zero please, Dawn, how please, did please. you complete it all? Uh, I completed played it twice. So you completed yes. Zero Dawn. Okay. <laughs> I ne- I didn't quite platinum it, but yeah, I played it twice. I okay, anything going on? But the the idea behind the the robot dinosaurs it made it, it did make enough of an impact for me to remember. Okay, I remember playing with my bow and having fun with my bow and spear. Okay, and then having moments where I was not having a good understanding of what it was guiding me to do, and then being somewhat frustrated by that until I figured out some of the other mechanics of how you surveyed things. Right, you had to climb on the big tower dudes. Uh, the tower, the tall necks, tall necks, yeah. Just those types of weird concepts were. Again, I'm saying this from somebody who, playing the game, who has no love for those types of concepts, right? Mm-hmm. Playing it straight for the gameplay and it being one of the best looking games on PlayStation, right? And there's a lot of hype around it when it came out, and so it's like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig. All right, let's see what this is about. I had fun, right? Solid okay. four and a quarter game. Solid four and a quarter. Okay. Um, but you seem like you really like Forbidden West. Forbidden West. What makes it, does it seem like the pacing's better on the game? Does it feel a little bit more? The pacing is better. Um, the, the story beats again. I forgot most of the story. Okay. The game does start out with a, uh, with like a little recap movie that, you know, they get you up to speed. Uh, so if you had not played Zero Dawn, you could kind of get this, but you get more of it. Uh, you, you understand more of the story. If you had played Zero Dawn. It was it was for I think part of the bias I had against the original one was it was the makers of Killzone and I was like, how does Killzone make a game that's good? because that, Killzone was always a fairly uh, B games, yeah. A fairly B tier game. And then yeah, it was always B tier to me. Okay. But well Killzone I understand that, but Horizon's no, different. I know Horizon's not a B tier game. It's just the studio that's been their opus lately, right? They've done a much better job with story and their presentation and having more original ideas, right? That's something I credit them for with they, the robot dinosaur thing is the original idea on that. They had help from Kojima Games, you know, you know from Kojima Studios on this one. So well, I, he, I does, saw, he does some wrong. Uh, but I, I noticed that in the credits, you know, so but, I was like, okay. But what I'm getting at, though, is like Gorilla didn't have the track record of Magnum Opus games until they started with the Horizon series. Okay. And so I went into it with the bias of like, are these guys going to, for for them, that blew me out of the water. But then again, where that game landed for me, even though I played it twice, right? A four and a quarter for me is a really solid rating. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good rating. Um, you know, for, for this. That's an 85 Metacritic. 
for, you know, for me, for, you know, I have played Zero Dawn. I enjoyed it. Uh, there was, you know, some things that I didn't quite like about it. And you said the pacing. I can agree with the pacing was kind of weird. Um, and like the big set piece battle at the end was kind of like, okay, that was just kind of thrown together. It seemed like it wasn't well done and it just felt now that you're saying it, it wasn't real well done. And it felt like they patched that in as something they wanted to have for a big last stand thing. Right. Um, Uh, much like another game. This, this one has, uh, this one has better, uh, this this one has way better storytelling. Like, f- for instance, if you go and do something, um, if, if you do something in the world, like you you know you end up uh, you know doing some of the major quests, uh, and then you go and talk with your companions, uh, you know uh, you talk with the people that uh, that are helping you, they will acknowledge in their dialogue that you did a thing. That's cool. And it follows the story. There was never really any disjointed thing that didn't, you know, that didn't say, um, like, what you have done was basically the fastest rumor in the world because everybody knew about it. But it was, like, if I went and did a thing for the Desert Clan and that thing was spectacular that news would travel and when i get to the next place some of the idle dialogue that you hear in the background would be like isn't she the isn't did she she was the one that took down that thunderjaw you know and, and and they would acknowledge the fact that you had done something uh and that happened not only just in the idle chatter but also in you know, in conversations where like, you're, you know, you're the champion of the arena. Holy shit. You know, I can't believe I'm talking to you. You know, that kind of thing. Right. You know, it's, you know, that was the, the kind of acknowledgement in the storytelling that I, you know, that I was looking for. There was nothing that really was really disjointed. Cause even if I went back to an early quest that I just kind of ignored for 10 levels, um, and I talked to that person they would acknowledge the fact that, oh, yeah, you've been busy. It, <laughs> you know? Is the enemy level by zone or is it an enemy scaling? Um, so this, this enemy, uh, the enemy types are going to be based off of the region that they're in because, you know, you're, uh, if you go into, you know, the desert, there's going to be, you know, uh, there's going to be enemy, you know, the machines are going to be in that you know, in certain areas, like there's a, uh, like a, a thunder jaw area or whatever, you know? Uh, and if you go there, there's probably always going to be a thunder jaw running around at that point. Um, but as far as how the enemy difficulty scales, it scales based off of your level, not necessarily the, you know, the area that you're in. Some of it is some of the, some of them are going to be based off of like quest level. Um, but for instance, your uh, your robotic dinosaurs will end up um, after a specific story beat. Your robotic dinosaurs will start to uh, show up in apex form, which will be black armor, more armor covering their weak spots, uh, a couple additional move sets, and they hit harder. I do remember having to liking to have a strategy to take things down. 
there and and there is you know quite a bit of that. Um, there's a lot of really cool weapons and you know in this one that uh, that weren't necessarily in the first game. Like you've got your uh, your rope casters, your trip casters, things like you know where you can set up traps and shit like that. Um, but with uh, with Horizon Zero or Forbidden West, you've got um, you've got a warrior bow, which doesn't necess- it draws really quickly, so you can do rapid fire shots with it. Um, there's the sharp shot bow, which is basically your sniper bow, uh, and that does a lot of impact damage. So you can knock th- you know knock shit over or do really long range headshots. Um, there's, uh, uh, one of my favorite fucking weapons in the game is, and, uh, is a burst fire crossbow. Uh, <laughs> and this thing is kind of like a heavy bow gun from <laughs> Monster Hunter. And that's why I liked it so much. Uh, it has multiple different bolts that you can kind of put into it. It goes in with a magazine. Does this start to sound familiar? Uh, and you can, uh, when you, uh, aim down this, you know, you know, aim this gun, the longer you hold it, the more bolts that it will fire in a burst. Uh, you know, so you can kind of tap the trigger and it'll shoot three bolts in a wide range. But if you hold the trigger down, it'll, uh, it'll do like six shots, you know, much tighter, you know, uh, with a much tighter grouping. And there's different ammo types. There's like explosive bolts. There's frost bolts. There's, um, you know, there's piercing bolts. The piercing bolts are fucking OP as fuck because it goes right through the armor and hits them, uh, uh, and, and hits weak points. So you don't have to take, uh, take the armor off of things. Um, there's javelins in this one, uh, which have different things. There's a disc thrower that basically is kind of like a fucking Tron disc. You can throw that shit. It will sit there and grind away at a fucking piece of armor and knock it off. And then it'll pop off of it and you can catch it. If you can catch it, you can throw that same disc again. And if you do that three times, it does a fucking explosive disc that just knocks the piss out of shit. It's hard as fuck to, you know, to catch though in fights. Um, it's, there, you know, there's a lot of, you know, uh, a a lot of really great things about this game. That's just a, it's just, it's, I keep going back to it. It's so fucking beautiful though. What? So after all of this, what do you think your rating for that game is? Okay. So I will say after all of the praise that I've just given it. Uh, there are a couple things that I, you know that I have problems with. A, there is a little bit of pop in on on distant things, but I'm talking. I mean, it's pushing the game pretty hard. You are that console hard. You have draw distances, you know, longer than I've seen on a console ever. Um, so. Far away things do kind of pop in, but they do obfuscate it a little bit. And, you know, like it'll draw the next hill as you're going over, you know, so you can kind of like, you know, the hill that you're going up is blocking the fact that the next hill hasn't drawn yet. Um, and they do a couple things with uh, like nighttime fog or, you know, or if you're 
flying over things, you'll kind of see fog, you know, cover, you know, cover the landscape if you're, because you get a glider. Um, that fog is kind of like covering up the fact that, you know, the plants are still populating on the ground. Um, it does that in a smart way and it doesn't really detract from the game. I know that from a technical perspective, that's, you know, that's what they have to do. Um, that doesn't necessarily, it's not a bad thing, but you can kind of see some buildings pop in and that does kind of break the immersion a little bit. Uh, I had some really weird frame rate issues too. Um, and this is probably something to do with, uh, PlayStation 5's, uh, um, rest feature. Cause it always happened after I put the game in rest. Um, so when I was done playing it for the night, I'd put, you know, put the PS5 in rest, but the game was still open. Um, and when I came back, it went down to like 15 frames per second. And the only way I could fix it was to stop the game and reboot it. Um, it was some, it's been a, a few games. I can't remember specifically which game, but even on Xbox One, some games, if you put it in rest and came back to it, you almost had to just basically restart because you're getting 15 frames a second or something. Yeah, it happens at really random spots too because it didn't always happen right at, you know, if I was putting it in rest, if I had played the game for, you know, uh, what I would say a decent amount of time, like five, six hours or something like that, I would start to see it happen and then I would reboot the game again and it would be perfectly fine. So it was very minor for me, but it's still kind of like was a sucky thing where I had to stop the fucking game and start it over again. That said, technical issues, I don't necessarily really rate too harshly on technical issues because that all can be patched out. Um, I would say that this is probably one of the best PlayStation 5 games that I've played ever. Um, and it really kind of shows the power of the PlayStation 5. Um really great game. Um, I'm, I'm going to go, <laughs> I don't want to give it a five because that's impossible. Um, I, I'd give it like 4.5, 4.75, pretty close. It's really good. To, it's a really good game. Um, I would highly recommend it. Uh, that's a pretty, pretty no, high rating. I mean, it, it reminded me of, it reminded me of, a better version of Mass Effect at some points, just in the, that's some pretty high praise because I really like Mass Effect and I because, just played the whole trilogy again. I mean, just the way that you know things roll together, it it really feels that way. I mean, it's it's mostly a solo venture uh, adventure. I mean, you don't have the squad base that you had in Mass Effect, but <laughs> there's a lot of talking in Mass Effect, but there is a lot of talking in this game too. Uh, the, I mean, I mean, most of the story is voiced. There is obviously there's, you know, there's text, you know, logs that you see throughout the world, uh, and they add flavor to the game, but all of the major story points are voiced and voiced well, like good voice talent. So that's good. I'm going to have to, I will play it this year. I'm going to, I'm going to hard transition to some short games and then just jump straight into the major game. So I've got a decent amount of time. I beat Dying Light on Sunday last week. And so I had to kill some time between that and Elden Ring because I'm going to transition to Elden Ring. Of course. 
but I tried Infernax because it's on Game Pass. Right. Yeah, we were looking at that last it's week. It's like uh, Salt and Sanctuary, but done Castlevania, like high detail NES style. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty good game. I there's some. I'm at a point right now where I have to use dashes and jumps mid air to get to the next area. I'm fucking failing on it, so I tried another game. <laughs> yep. But I did beat several of the bosses. Like it's. I, I like how they telegraph attacks and how they... There's no roll. You have... I think you have an invincibility frame as soon as you jump. Um, but there's a telegraph on the attacks before something attacks. So you just need to know when that's going to happen. Um, and then you jump over it or jump back or whatever. Or jump over the creature or whatever. Or use your um, upward jump to get over things. Okay. Um, but, like, overall, I've been able to defeat most things. It's It's a whole learning experience game where you just kind of learn the dungeon before you get through it and the game kind of propels you into the each of the next areas i've liked it it's really fucking gory um in a goofy pixel way like you're just covered in blood half the time um in pixel blood okay Uh, and it says right off the bat like this is not a game for kids um it is very graphic and there are a whole like when you die um, it's like you with your brain case open. Like, it's just so ridiculously over the top. Okay. Um, the art style's great. I really like it. Um, and I will finish it later. I just shelved it because I didn't have enough time, and then I got stuck for a second. So I tried Nobody Saves the World, which is a another game on Game Pass. It's yep. a top-down dungeon crawler with a weird premise. It's done very Castle Crashers-style humor. Like, very irreverent, very self-referential, very fourth wall sometimes. Okay. Very goofy. And it's done in a very, like, hand-drawn style. Okay. Um, but it's uh, top-down, um, and your character is a just derpy dude, right? So he has, he has his only attack when you first start is a push, and it looks like a really really puny push he just kind of <laughs> and he like turns his face away when he pushes and it's like meant to show that he's a puny dude right and then he finds a magic wand and that lets him transform into different forms and those different forms are what you use to attack things with and so you transfer they all have their own abilities you unlock you all have these little bitty quests that you complete to unlock new abilities with it and at a certain point you can mix and match some of the abilities from some of the other creatures with your creature um, that you got. And then you unlock a tons of other forms that you can add to your hotbar. The problem I have with it right now is the switching's not that fast. And there's sometimes where you kind of dynamically need to switch between forms. So you got to hold down your bumper, then use your right stick to select the form to switch. And sometimes in the heat of a mob of things, that's a little bit difficult. Um, but I did find myself enjoying the, the, the art style is like a cross between like, Newgrounds and uh, Don't Starve is a good way to kind of reference it, but it kind of has that irreverent feel of like uh, Newgrounds, Castle Crashers style stuff. Okay. Yeah, I see it a little bit. Yeah. If you're curious, because I haven't beaten it, I've got about four hours in that before I jumped into the other game. Um, It's been enjoyable so far. Um, The story is pretty fucking hokey on purpose and kind of funny and I like it. Um, And the art style does really well. It's a really pretty, well done drawn game i actually like the graphics on it a lot um because it's just using cell shading for everything and it's fucking gorgeous um it'll stand the test of time no matter what because it's not a pixel art style or even regular 3d graphics rendered art style so it'll 
can play this 20 years from now and it'll still look good. Um, but yeah, uh, nobody saves the world. Um, try it on Game Pass if you got it on Game Pass. It's it's a cool little game, little dungeon crawler. The the dude is named nobody. Nobody, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense now. Okay, but he's a nobody. That's he's the whole he's point. a nobody, right? Like I think you can upgrade him at some point, but like right, like I've got ways to upgrade his primary hand push, like this little me. <laughs> um, but I haven't unlocked it yet. No, no, go away. No. <laughs> He's a little naked man with no clothes and no genitals. The, um, thankfully, <laughs> yeah, he's a he's just a little puny little dude. The uh, sequel is somebody saves the world. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, it uh, it's pretty cool. Um, but um, so I downloaded Elden Ring. Um, you downloaded it, yeah, on yeah. PC. Okay, and I'm gonna say so. The people that have beat this, I don't know how you fucking beat this in a pre-release. I don't, well, you the could, people who have beat it are the ones that ended up with a review copy a week ago. I don't even know how you beat this in a fucking week. I don't know how Twitch beat fucking Dark Souls. So, based off of inputs given from, you know, from chat. I don't know how it happened. It did. So, we're we're going with it. Yeah, so... I think, well, the thing about it is it's an open world version of a Souls game, right? And the console copies and the original pre-release actually had a little bit of framiness issues, but not that bad. Right. And then the day one patch came out. And there is definitely an issue with PC versus console right now, where the console versions of the game are working pretty all right. And even on last-gen consoles, like it's still hitting like a solid 30 FPS, which is very... If you all the other Souls games with 30 FPS. In fact, the original Souls game, uh, when you hit a place called Black Town, got down to 15 FPS because there are all sorts of volumetric fog effects that on the original Xbox console it had issues rendering. Um, you're making all sorts of weird noises on a microphone. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, thankfully, the trash man looks never looks in my trash to see the weird finger kind of things. <laughs> so, anyways, um, that's what that was. So, the uh, the issue I had initially, because it unlocked on PC basically almost a full, like, seven hours before the console release. Um, it didn't have the patch, and it did alright, but I was still looking for things because it would kind of randomly, I call it, it's like not rubber banding, but it's almost like in, like lag. Like, it would run 60 FPS, and then you hear see this little hitch. And then it just keep going. And it wasn't as bad as what I just showed you before the cast. Uh-huh. So day one patch drops. And then this has actually been worse um, until I did some things. So I'll explain the things I did. Um, the biggest difference thing that I did. So essentially what would happen is you get open world and it would be like you're running and then all your actions all happen at once. Like, all the frames catch up all at once. Like, it would lock for a second, and then all the frames would catch up at once. And I've right. gotten it to where it doesn't lock completely lock up that bad. So it's playable, but it's still not great. Um, there's been some people that I've been real active on the PC Gamer message board, um, talking back and forth with different people having issues. And one of the comments that I'd gotten was it might be have something to do with DirectX 12 shader cache. So I changed my shader cache to Unlimited, and that seemed to fix the majority of it to where it didn't happen nearly as often. But I still think in, 
at transition points in the open world that it has some issue where it's loading something in the background. Right. And and maybe that's what's causing the issue, but like it plays 60 for a long time and then just randomly all the frames catch up all at once. And it's if like, you end up fighting something in one of those transition areas, like you, you were well just you're about to be dead. Yeah, I I was watched him do that. That was that was painful. Um so I do want to get past the technical issues, though, because that can be patched, right? Right. And Software. They, right? And they tacked on anti-cheat at, towards the end. So part of what was going on is uh, they added a new – the what's the blue anti-cheat bear? Uh, easy anti-cheat. They added easy anti-cheat on towards the end, which has never been a part of the Soul series ever. Because they were having issues with Dark Souls before with some people hacking into the servers. Oh, yeah. And so that happened very last minute. Um, as, well, they actually um, brought down the servers to do that, didn't they? They brought down all the original Soul servers to patch it on PC, patch Elden Ring with Easy Anti-Cheat, which it didn't have before. Or at least I did. this has never been a part of a Souls game ever. And so I'm wondering if that plays a part in it. It's easy to blame the Anti-Cheat software for stuff like that. Mm. But who knows? Um, there's also been a lot of issues with DirectX 12 shader cache stuff before, as I've got a comment chain on the PC Gamer thing that's like, at this point, about 40 comments long. But somebody was saying that the similar issues happened with Borderlands 3 on PC. Um, so anyways, it PC was... has some issues right now with some of the performance stuff. Is it playable? I think if you go into your NVIDIA control panel and just set your frame shader cache to unlimited as long as you have a beefy rig, you're probably fine. Yeah, but you have to have a beefy rig. I mean, yeah. this is... This is like, you know, 3080 with, you know... 32 gigs of RAM. Yeah. You know, you're, you're over-spec'd for mo- what most people actually have. And that's and that's kind of unfortunate. Um, I was looking at, you know, just the technical issues. You know, it went from, you know, generally well-received to a mixed rating on Steam because of the technical issues? Yeah, the technical issues. Like, they've even gotten a couple of open letters they got out on Twitter right now because of all the technical issues. Right. You know, and it's not that From Software is, like, ignoring that. It's just the fact that From Software has historically been fairly slow at fixing these things, especially on PC. Um, And that is where most of the problems are happening is PC. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's. I haven't I think heard it's of it. The um, third highest highest rated game on Metacritic of all time right now. I mean, I will. T- let me tell you about the good though. Okay. Because there is quite a bit of good here. I will say so far. Again, there's a big boss in a castle I have not attempted, and I've got about six hours and two different characters as I've been dicking around with performance issues. Literally a day. This is day two of me playing it, basically, or day two and a half. Um. Magic is super fucking overpowered. Super, super, super fucking overpowered. Um, I have a sorcerer and I was showing Rusty, like, the groups of enemies in this game, Souls game are a lot bigger. Um, the sorcerer starts, the astrologer is the name of the class, starts off with a spell that's got a wide sweep. And if you've got enemies grouped together, you can hit, like, ten of them. Yeah. It's got penetration. It does. It's got penetration for sure. Uh yeah, I took out like, a group of like fifteen enemies inside of about thirty seconds. Yeah, it was like all it you know all it cost him was like a mana potion, <laughs> and that was it. It was like okay, 
And you can do – you can set the amount of health and mana potions you have, right? Correct. So, so typically the astrologer, I set him with – right now I've got six flasks unlocked. So I've been doing three and three, but I probably could get away with two and four. Um, the thing is, is I like the survivability of having three health potions because he can take a hit. That's where I've got him. He's a glass cannon. I've got him set for whatever area I'm at. I could take one hit, that like one good hit before I need to retreat and continue firing. It's essentially, if you buff your mana pool and your intelligence fairly early on, you can find a staff in an area. I did, so full disclosure, cheat a little bit on souls. We've always cheated on souls. Look up shit where certain things is. It it is never had all the souls games have never done a good job of explaining where stuff's at. Look for build guides. Look for well, some of the the build guides the build guides are all right. Honestly, like every class, you kind of just have to see what you want to build towards. You can fix it later. Like there is actually a respec in this game later on in the game, huh? Which is kind of nice. So I say experiment with different stuff. But if you truly want to experiment, you need to play the naked class because he starts off with level 10 in literally every stat and he starts off with a club so you just start finding gear and then build your spec around the gear that you find essentially so it's kind of a they call the forsaken or something like that the wretch yeah it's the naked class because you can respec everything later anyway but um sorcerer is like stupid fucking overpowered and i think i probably at some point i'm going to get behind on my magic power because i'll have to buff vitality for a while to survive other encounters. Um, but early game, man, he just fucking destroys. It's But it got too easy for me, and I wanted a little bit more challenge. So I went with basically a paladin build, because I've never... I haven't tried a lot of faith-based builds in the Souls games, and I was looking at just like... Again, this is just how I did my research. What do the spells look like, and what do they do, right? So there's offensive and defensive paladin spells, and they've got a little bit more defensive spells than the astrologer. And early on, you don't have access to all the badass spells with uh, the Paladin builds. So I've been farming, and I've farmed something to give me faith on my weapon to give me additional faith damage, which will scale with my faith spec. And I've got a lot more stats i got to play with, so I can play them like a true mo- melee warrior, like a knight. Right. And I've been playing with that. There's a lot of differences between this and Souls, though. I mean, aside from the obvious, which is open world and you have a mount, right? Um... You have these things called Ashes of War that you add to your weapon, which add different abilities to your L trigger. Um, so it could be I'm looking for... I know that I'm looking for a thing that'll give me 100% block on my shield, like plus extra guard on my shield. And I've got to farm... Or not farm. I've got to go find a boss. And so that's kind of my next step is I'm going to go find this boss that's in one of the earlier areas that has that drop. I'll apply it to my shield and I'll use mana power to give myself one block for a really big hit that won't fucking annihilate me. It has got a 100% guard, essentially. But it'll take, like, half my stamina or something like that. But well, there's a lot of bosses have really fucking chunky attacks. So that'll be one thing I did. I went and farmed a shield. Like, so one of the guys, uh, shout out to Fextra Life, because I've been around doing Souls Guides forever, said get the gold shield that you can get early on in the game from the knights or the foot soldiers in the early areas. Okay. So I went around a camp. I spent about 30 minutes farming those guys that had shields to get one of their shields. And it's a big brass shield that looks really fucking cool. And then I found a really good long sword and I knew that I had to get the strength to get that to wield it correctly. So I didn't have to always two hand it. Got the big ass long sword. 
And so now I've got a long sword. I've got half their fucking armor and some chain armor from another foot soldier that I kind of got patched together. And I've kind of got this paladin guy that I'm rocking out. It makes me dodge roll and have to actually think about my attacks. And there's like... So in other games, you had a parry mechanic, and the parry mechanic's still there, and you can get a really big attack out of the parry mechanic, like basically a front backstab. So right. like backstab, you just rock up to somebody, hit light, attack, you backstab them. Well, parry, you got to hit your L trigger if parry's equipped now, um, right when it's about to connect, and then you will put them in a stun state, essentially, so you can stab or chop or whatever and get a really meaty fucking attack critical hit out of it. Um, well, you can guard, you can repost essentially with guard now. So if you do 100% block on something, you can do a quick right trigger heavy attack. And it depends on the weapon on what that attack looks like. With my longsword, it's got some really good fucking reach, which is the other reason I wanted it. So I can reach up over the top of the shield and hit him in the head with that. Because it does have this weird hitbox where if you hit the shield at a certain spot, it will like block a lot. So I needed that. I've also got a axe that I got that also does the same thing, does an over-the-shield chop, and even when they're blocking, my regular attack chops over the top of the shield, and I still get some damage in. Okay. Um, so anyways, um, the Paladin so far is, I think, I feel like there's a good level of challenge, because I have to be, I'm not just going to kite things and blow it up, which is what I'm doing with my Sorcerer, and once my Sorcerer's out of mana, I gotta... You gotta run. I just gotta run, because there's no getting your mana back. Even with after you're out of potions. What? Yeah. So there is a mechanic in this that's way different, though. So in Old Souls games, you'd fill up your flasks at bonfires. They got these, like, light sanctuary things that are kind of the same thing. Um, where you can allocate your flask and add different statuses to your flask. But there's also new mechanics where if you run into a group of enemies and you kill all the enemies, there's a chance that it'll refill all your flasks or refill some of your flasks. So while you're out in the open world adventuring and looking around... You can take on a group of enemies and use your flask for that group of enemies and have a chance at a refill. So it or, wants you to use it or not. <clears throat> and then you got to run for a bonfire to recharge. But it keeps the pacing of the game going because you don't have to use all your shit and then go back. Because the Old Souls games had set paths through levels that you did to get to a bonfire to set something that lets you have a ladder drop or something like that or a door open on the other side give you quick access past all the enemies right, to the next spot. And this, because it's open, they get past that with... Because the real reason is you needed to refill your, your shit, basically. That's what you did the bonfire. Right. Got to refill your shit. It knows that that's not a thing, so it gives you the chance of getting some of that stuff back so you don't have to always hit a bonfire after a big battle. So as you get more powerful weapons and you get better at the game, you could basically not have to hit a bonfire at all. You just go find a pack and, you know, and take them on. And if you don't end up having to use a potion to, you know, take the pack out, you could get a refill out of it. Yeah. It does some things that are different from other souls games. So stealth wasn't really a mechanic so much in the old game. Like you could walk slowly and get behind somebody to backstab them. This actually has you crouch. It has tall grass. Um, to hide in. I mean, I'm used to tall grass. With Plant Horizon. Horizon, yeah. Yeah, so it has the tall grass mechanic. Um, and line of sight. So if they lose, you can run away from an enemy, break line of sight, and hide in tall grass and circle back around them and backstab them. I've even got something that's called Quiet Step or Assassin's Step as one of my paladin abilities for some reason. Okay. Where I can cast it and I can run sneak. <laughs> I can run, you know, as long as I'm not line of sight, they won't hear me. 
and I can use that to get behind stuff to backstab it with my paladin, which is crazy. Okay. Um, um, doesn't quite thematically fit in, I know. I, I've always thought that, you know, dudes in plate armor sneaking around was always a funny thing. Well, like it... Before you get to your second, bon- your third bonfire, Torrin Rogue, clop, you've, clop, clop. yeah, <laughs> you've got a, you've got a whole area that really tests that out early. It doesn't quite. It tells you how sneak and backstab works in the very beginning of the game, but um, there's a whole area where you most people wouldn't be able to take, almost nobody would be able to take on the whole group by themselves early on in the game, and it wants you to sneak around assassinating guards and taking on groups of one or two at a time. And so it makes you do that and get used to it. And, of course, that's the place I farmed the armor that I got right now is I farmed that group of – I got really good at killing all those guys Assassin's Creed style in our Souls game, which is really fucking weird. Again, kind of breaking out of some of the norms that they had. Okay. Um, there are certain enemies or characters that only come up at night. There's a whole dynamic weather system, which is crazy for a Souls game. Um, so, okay. like, it'll rain or, like, there's that one little area that's over by Storm Hill that's shooting lightning down and there's some kind of pickup you get from the lightning that I think you saw a brief moment of, of me running through a bunch of lightning. Yeah. Um, there's these big golden trees all over that look really like the sky box and the backdrop of all this looks really fucking great. Like, and it really contrasts really hard with the gritty dark fantasy stuff in a great way. Um, with everything looking like Maine or something on, on steroids or some kind of weird like Nordic area i don't know like just all the gold and silver and all of those like really positive colors contrasting versus really harsh the, environments the dark grays and the you know the crimson you get i mean that's what i saw was lots of dark grays crimson uh yellow those are like the you know and like browns those are the you know the the colors of the you know of enemies and and shit like that and then the the sky box is almost like a fucking neon orange in some spots and it's they this is the most colorful souls game of yeah, all time it i mean By it looks good sh- i mean the sky box looks different than the ground in <laughs> some places yeah the <laughs> the graphics aren't Horizon Forbidden Dawn. Good. Forbidden Dawn. Or Forbidden West. Oh my God. I'm just going to keep mixing those two games Forbidden together. Dawn, you just write that shit down. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are plenty of trolls on the internet saying it doesn't look any different. I just tried Dark Souls 1, the remastered edition, without the pretties turned on right mm-hmm. recently. Stark contrast. That's almost has... It feels playing it in 2022 it felt like playing a ps2 game so like comparing like, it to say demon souls the just... demon souls remaster it's slightly better uh, demon souls is better no demon souls is slightly worse slightly worse than elden ring elden ring has more color more color the graphics are as clean but there is more detail one that's not running at ten frames a second. Yeah, when it's when it's running sixty and it's running on all cylinders and not getting fucked up with a weird frame hitch issue, it looks it looks great. Okay, and it, they're adding f- ray tracing at some point. That would um, make interest. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But they already do some great tricks with like like I was showing you. Like it really wants you to feel alone in the dark in caves and stuff like that, and it gets really fucking dark. Really dark. 
and you need to have a torch. And at some point, you can equip lanterns, which will help you um, on your tool belt, which is kind of cool. Um, but for right now, I'm having to rock a torch, and the torch has a great attack. L trigger on that will set shit on fire occasionally. So yeah, it and it was fucking up those wolves. Yeah, I was fighting wolves with a fucking torch in one hand and a sword in the other hand, or maybe it was a staff in the other hand. But anyways, yeah, like I was using my torch as a weapon as well as a source of light. And then when you hold it up, it makes things even brighter. But just the dynamic lighting and shadows that are in there, even without ray tracing, look pretty good. Cool. Um, the lighting effects are great. But all that aside, like, I think I've talked a little bit about the differences in mechanics and things like that. Mm -hmm. I like the open-worldness of this stuff. I like being able to, like, having a horse and being able to explore further than I'm supposed to. It's kind of nice because you can still pick shit up while you're on a horse and you can still fight while you're on a horse. Um, you also can get fucking dismounted like crazy, too. But it does encourage horse combat and it works good. I think you saw me using my longsword. They all have different animations for different things while you're on mm -hmm. horseback. And he takes the blade <coughs> and leans over and drags it on the ground. Sparks flying and shit. Sparks flying. And then if you hit something while you're doing that, it'll take some of your stamina, but will also hit. And then he does an upswing with that sword. I've seen something where somebody had like a glaive of some sort that spins while you're on horseback, which looks really fucking cool. Yeah. And then the other thing is your mana pool is used for, I think it's, it's like FP is what it's called. I keep calling it force points in my head, but like you can use it for more. It's used for your faith spells. It's used for your regular spells. It's also used for special move sets from those Ashes of War. So when you add a move set to a weapon... You click the left trigger while it's two-handed, and it does a special attack. It may be a charge and then release it. You just play with it, and you'll figure it out. But you'll see that it's it's rocked up and ready to go. Um, there is something that's called, like, no skill that you can add to your shield. And so what that does is it gets rid of the parry mechanic of the shield. So when you left trigger, it triggers the skill of your right-hand weapon without having a two-handed. It basically just very quickly switches to two-hand mode for a second, do your skill, and then when you're done with the skill, you've got your shield back out. Huh. Which okay. is something I put on my paladin pretty quickly, because I was like, this is really cool, because now I can get this really fucking massive attack. Right. Uh, the, the square up attack, that fucking, yeah. you know, And stab. I was just showing you one of the low-level ones. Like, there's yeah. some pretty fucking, I really like the longsword moveset, so, like, that's what I've been rocking with it. Okay. But I've talked, I don't have a full review on this game. Yeah, obviously. It's only a couple days. And I've, I'm still in the starting area. Like, I've beat a lot of, like, mini-bosses, essentially. Like, a fucking troll dude and a big dude that was shooting bolts. Like, arrows that were, like, 40 feet long across the landscape that I was dodging with my horse. Um, like, I've had some pretty epic battles, but I haven't fought the main boss to unlock the next area, basically. Yeah. Um, play around the whole area. You've got a lot to do before you do that. And I think it's probably necessary, because I did watch that boss fight and it looks hard as fuck. So... See, I'm, I was looking at like looking at this game, and I, and I'm thinking about what uh, what I've been playing over the past you know month or two, um, and uh, I'm looking at like when I was playing Horizon, I I was taking cues from Monster Hunter because 
you know, when you've got, uh, you know, once you're like in concentration mode and it kind of slows down time, you can kind of see what the move set of, uh, of the, uh, mechanical dinos are, right? Yeah, there's uh, no so, slowing down in Souls. Well, obviously, but you still end up running a similar situation. You, when, uh, when the enemies are doing a certain type of attack, you want to roll either to the left, to the right, or backwards, or you want to... Sometimes it's through. Right, or sometimes through, right? But you you tend to, as you go along, you end up, like, working that shit out, and you figure that shit out, so you read the bosses a little bit more. And I have was using what I learned from Monster Hunter, which doesn't slow down time at all either, uh, to inform how I was going to avoid attacks in, uh, in this game. So what I've got on my plate right now because I just beat fucking horizon this morning, uh, is I've got those two other games that you gave me and I do kind of want to play Elden Ring, but I don't necessarily really want to play Elden Ring right now because I want to play it on PC when it's not fucking borked. So I think I'm going to play deep demon souls. I think it's a good entry and it's a, so let's talk about this for just a second. Okay. Do you want to learn how to play a Souls game or do you want easy mode? Uh, do I want to learn how to play a Souls game? Um, I only have two controllers for my PS5 uh, and they're expensive. <laughs> so well, I'm not going to give you the hardest way. Okay. I'm going to give you the middle ground. You need to play a knight. I need to play a knight. With just a couple of spells. Knight with a couple of spells. You'll get spells that enhance your weapon with some extra damage. Okay. Those are the type of spells you want. But don't overinvest in things that give you extra magic damage. Play a sword and board knight. It'll give you... Play it at medium heaviness so you know that you've got a roll and you don't get a complete fat roll. Uh, I'm I'm used to slow rolls. So but... if you want to go like full on tank, then just arm him up to the point of him being almost over encumbered and like you'll be a fucking brick when they hit you. Um, and you'll be able to, like, poise is the other mechanic, so poise affects if they knock you off balance and can get an extra critical in. Right. So, experiment with just arming them as heavy as you fucking can, and you up your endurance, and your health, and your strength. That's three stats, and that's all you worry about. You start with health and endurance, and you work your strength up to whatever weapon you're working on. Okay. And if you do that, you're going to have farm runs, right? Like, I think I already told you this. Like, you basically go into it and learn part of a level and then burn all your souls on items or your levels or even the expendable souls that you can get to. You can hold on. You get souls that you can just spend whenever. Right. And if you're like 200 souls away from a level, then you just spend one of those souls and spend the rest of them so you don't lose it. Get your level. And when you're at zero souls or like 100 souls, which is like a couple enemies, you can just go through and learn how you get through something. And then you beat it real quick and then spend them. And then you get to just don't get greedy. That's the, that's the key. If the boss only has one TikTok, tick, TikTok, tic-tac <laughs> of fucking health, don't get greedy and lose the whole thing by going for the extra attack that's going to drain all your stamina. Do exactly what you've been doing the whole boss fight and get the right opening before you attack. Right. Uh, don't. Don't fuck yourself because that's part of the soul's formula is you're baited into being greedy and then you get fucked. Because you got greedy, but the, the the if you put yourself in a headspace of I'm on I'm going through this level to learn the level I'm going this level to get items to up my weapons I'm going through this level to level up 
or I'm going through this level to figure out the boss, right? You put yourself in a different headspace for each of those different things on how you're going to spend the currency of the game. Because it's just the currency. You use it for levels, you use it for items, you use it for everything. Right. It, you can't go into it like a like it's money that you're going to lose and then you're gone. Like you sometimes you just accept that you lost it or that you're going to have to fight a long ways and is it worth it to get the 200 souls to go through this really hard area or is it better for me to go do the thing that I was going to do and not lose everything I'm going to get. And it's kind of that mechanic. But uh, there's some, Fextra Life gives a good, the whole thing, Demon Souls is unnecessarily a little bit obtuse in one area because the traditional gamer will get to a level and especially if they have a choice, right? They're like, oh, I got to finish level one before I get to level two. Well, each one of the Demon Souls levels is broken up into a section that's basically level one for each section. And you basically go through level one of every single section in a certain order to get to where you go through level two of all the sections in a certain order. To get to where you go through level three of all the sections in a certain order. Okay. So basically you go through till you beat the boss and then you back out. Because you're not going to even be able to level up until you beat the first boss. That's another thing, too. And the first, okay. bo- the first boss is easy. Uh, do you want me to give you the hint? Mm. Like, everybody knows this hint. Okay. It's weak to fire, so you're going to pick up fire bombs. You can use fire bombs, or if you get a fire spell, you can roast him. But as a knight character, you will just stock up on fire bombs and fire bomb everything till you can get in there to do damage to the boss. Okay. And you will farm a shitload of fire bombs in that level. Like, it just gives them to you. Um, and just stay dead. That's the other thing. Stay dead. There's no reason, unless you're really fucking sucking really hard, there's no reason to bring yourself back to life. Stay dead. You'll never get invaded. Well... Stay dead after you get that ring. You'll get the ring pretty early on. Right. So So it's half health normally. I am not going to do the organic run of, you know, Demon Souls. I am not going to go into it totally blind and fucking do... Oh, look up guides. uh, I am going to play that game with a guide. Mainly because, A, I value my time. B, I value my sanity. And see, I value there's, my controllers. There's no shame in that. There's a couple of things where you can cheese the dragons, and it's totally worth doing because you get big gains from cheesing those dragons. And there's some really cool moments with the dragons, too, that are great. Like, there's a lot of dragons in Demon's Souls. Um, cool. but And they look really neat. Like, the fire effects are great. The yeah. They'll roast the piss out of you if you go into the wrong spot, though. You can also use them to fucking farm, too, which is great. Oh, okay, cool. Because they kill enemies, too. Oh, nice. Awesome. Um, I mean, I, I've only watched like a little bit of it, but I can tell you right now, that's the way that I'm going to play that game. Um, mainly because I went into pretty much every Dark Souls totally blind, didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And of course you're just going to get your ass handed to you. Well, to me, like I said, um, fighting cowboy has a great, has a great series on demon souls altogether. And so does Fexter Life. Fexter Life has a whole path. And I recommend you follow the path they tell you for progression, essentially. It's like, do go through these areas, go through these areas, kill these bosses, kill these bosses. There's The other reason you don't want to be alive when you die is it changes the affinity of the level. And there are things that are great about that, but you want pure white. And then once you've done all the things on the pure white version of the level, then you switch it to pure black, which is basically just suicide yourself a few times to get it to pure black. Um, while you have full, while you, while you're in human form. So you suicide yourself like five or six times to get it pure black. And then you unlock other things. So like there's, I'll give you this hint too. 
there's a ring you find in one of the areas that has to be pure black before you go to the swamp area. And that's not till like level two or three. But you want the ring because if you go through the swamp area without the ring, you fucking move at half speed. You lose use use a lot more stamina. And it's also a poison bog. So, like, it's super fucked if you don't have the ring. It's better to do the thing to get the fucking ring before you go through the fucking swamp. Okay. I'll figure it out. The thing is, is uh, for me, I, I definitely want to play it. You know, I want to play Elden Ring because, I mean, everybody will be. Um, it, and Elden Ring is try. And El, so far, Elden Ring is easier than Demon Souls. Right. It's, it seems in difficulty seems for the Souls games, excluding Bloodborne and Sekiro, because Sekiro is absolutely the hardest one, and then it's Bloodborne. But it goes Dark Souls one. Demon Souls, Dark Souls 2, 3. 3 is fucking cakewalk, and then probably Elden Ring at the end, unless there's some really hard shit in Elden Ring I haven't, which I've obviously haven't done hardly anything. I haven't even done the fucking dragon fight that's in the starting area yet. So. I don't know. I want to give it a try. I don't necessarily... I'm, I'm not a big fan of, you know, of these games, um, but I definitely want something with a little bit of challenge. Uh, if I can't find that then i'm gonna probably end up going back into mmo land and that's kind of sad um (laughs) it's a it's a challenge i'd say i don't think it's a stupid hard game and you know me i'm not actually that good at games so okay i mean Um, you're better at uh, at dark souls games than i am that's for goddamn sure so you're better at Salt and Sanctuary than I was, and same with Hollow Knight. And I feel like that requires more precise timing on things. And Hollow Knight was was uh, it kind of hit that platformer Souls feel to it, and that I that fit for me. Um, and it, Salt and Sanctuary, something about that game just clicked after a bit, it and it, I was I was on it. It took me a while to get decent at Salt and Sanctuary, but it's more forgiving. I'll say that much. Okay. You have invincibility frames when you roll. Okay. Just get yourself a really big shield that blocks fucking everything and you're fine. Okay. I'm pretty sure there was a a shield in, like, in in one of the, like, the dragon nests that you, uh, uh, I remember seeing something about getting the shield that's, uh, that has, like, a lot of fire resist right next to the dragon nests. You'll need it for part two of the second area. Okay. Um, for the sword and board, because there's a demon that is made of pure fire. Oh, okay. I mean, that's... And so you were able to block his attacks with that shield if you've got that shield. It does chip damage to you because it's... I don't think it does 100% block, but it's... Regardless, you can heal through chip damage. Right. Okay. I'll figure it out. But basically... It's it's just one of, like, one of those games that'll train me for another fucking game that'll train me for another fucking game. Um, so once it clicks, I think you'll be. It's just it's an action RPG masterpiece. Okay, I, I'm I'll, I'll give it a try. Uh, I mean, and don't try to make sense of the story. It'll be fun. Don't make sense of the story, which is really hard for me because it's the, not that kind of game. Okay, and we can dunk on story here in a minute. Let's take a break though. Okay, all right. We'll, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. And we're back. 
had to take a quick little standing break that actually went longer than we expected. Yeah, because we tend to fucking chit-chat. Whatever. <laughs> we, we go through shit. Man. I will say uh, I have some game news that's reportedly a little bit different than normal. Uh-huh. Um, there is a rumor going around right now from VGC that a sequel to Fallout New Vegas 2 Ooh. is in very early talks at Microsoft, according to a journalist. Yeah. It's been so, very early talks, right? But it's, it's been it comes, a rumor. But it comes from a good source. So it's uh, so there's a uh, giant bomb show with a guy goes by Grub Snacks um, on the under their premium wall. Um, said that the uh, original developer of Obsidian could create a sequel to the classical RPG. Now that it's under the same roof as a license uh, as uh, Bethesda. Said it's very early, but people have begun to talk, have talks and say these words and sentences, and those words are Obsidian and New Vegas too. Grub said, "Huh." So that's good, but have they ever actually done a direct sequel to a game though? Like Obsidian? No, like for instance, Fallout New Vegas. Not well. New I Vegas mean, was an offshoot, so they let Obsidian have the. So Obsidian included some of the original in Exile people, right? So. In Exile, Obsidian, and Bethesda have all had shared developers, which are some of the reasons why I like those studios so much. Um, being tied to my favorite, my favorite trilogy of all time, or trilogy, my favorite IP of all time. But um, those game designers have all been incestuous is the, the word I don't want to use, but basically they just they don't have anything against each other. They've all worked together for a long time. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so it's essentially there's like Fallout One and Two which are the original Exile IPs. Then he had three. When Bethesda, you had this one that was called Fallout 64 or something. It's fucking horrible. And then he had Fallout Tactics, which is also kind of fucking horrible. But then you had um, Fallout 3 that Bethesda did, which was a totally different take on that franchise. Right. Then Obsidian, which had some of the original Exile people, said, we want to do a Fallout game. And then Bethesda, I don't remember exactly how this works, but essentially they got the ability to create a Fallout game in the Fallout IP much in the same style as 3. Yep. Just in a very Obsidian take, which was way more RPG and more original with the whole Mojave Wasteland, which I really like that one. Yeah. I think everybody universally says that's the best one out of the modern ones. Um, And then 4 was a straight Bethesda thing as well as 76. So Bethesda probably has the... Honestly, Fallout's still a mixed IP. They're not, they're not all gold. I mean, 76 has just now gotten to where it's a pretty decent game, but it's not, it's the weakest link. Um, it's not as weak as Fallout 64 tactics, though. I'll tell you those are worse. I mean, I remember Fallout tactics from way back in the day. The tactics aren't good. That's the problem. <clears throat> right. They're too, basically you have to do it a certain way to get past points. That's what I don't like about it. Yeah. It doesn't give you a lot of opportunity. It was a very early tax tactics game. Like... I mean, when Ogre Battle was out at that point, and they did a much better job, and so did Final Fantasy Tactics. Right. That's me trashing on an IP that I like. So, okay. I'm I not mean, 100. I am biased, but I'm not completely unobjective when it comes to it. Okay. I mean, if it comes. But if, if Obsidian is doing it, they have a fantastic track record with RPGs. Yeah. I'm, they have actually had very few RPGs that are bad. They've made ones that are less good than others. But they have not made a lot of bad ones. They just need to go back to that. I don't know if they can capture it, though. I mean, I'll be interested to see what happens. Um, Outer Worlds was pretty decent. Outer Worlds was okay. 
Um, it's a solid four for me. Mm. I would like to see another game in that franchise. It, yes, I would like to see a, a little bit. I'd like to see more. something done better with the combat. Yes, that's the problem with that the game. combat. Uh, the combat in that game was, uh, and and that's the thing is like. They do better with turn-based than they do with real-time. Yeah. You got two overpowered or two... Like, they didn't make a lot of difference between what you used, even on the harder settings. Right. Because I played through on the hard, and it still wasn't hard enough. It was too easy. Yeah. I I just remember popping, you know, just... I was just popping heads all the time. I almost went through it with a melee build to give myself a challenge. Right. So, yeah, it's just... It was too easy. It's too accessible. Right. Just... Give it an easy mode and make normal mode normal hard, and then hard mode actual hard. Um, but anyways, <laughs> without just scaling health pools. But anyways, right. yeah, so that's in talks. Um, there was a lot of stories about Elden Ring's performance on PC, which is why it's got the mixed reviews. Yeah. Um, They'll fix that, though. I'm sure they will. It's apparently the pre-release was the better version of the game, which is crazy. Um, but I can speak to some of that. And then it's they also had the issues where they're trying to fix... The, basically making sure that people couldn't hack your computer while playing the game, which I'm sure added another wrinkle into that. But I think that, and it also lacks ultra-wide support, which Rusty found out in the middle of us looking through stories before we started. I would, mm, seriously, no ultra-wide support? Come on, guys, seriously? When you look through resolutions, it's really like 1% or less of people on... It doesn't matter. I. It does not... That argument does not make any goddamn sense to me because if a fucking if an indie does Horizon game, Zero Dawn have ultra wide support? I mean, it's only on PlayStation Five. No, it's on on PC, not Forbidden West. Oh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes, it has. Uh, it, it has ultra wide support. Did Monster Hunter Rise have ultra wide support? Rise had uh, had ultra wide support. Okay. So I'll concede there are there are fifty thousand people out there that are really pissed off. There are <laughs> there are fucking like indie games built by by studios that uh comprom- you know, comp- it's like fifteen well, people. There's probably about or less. There's probably about five hundred thousand people on Steam that have ultra wide. Look, fucking ultra wide is it, you know it's you not sh- a small number, but it, in the out of over sixty million users, it is. Come on. It's 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 just a resolution. In other news, though, um, Elden Ring did hit seven hundred and sixty-four thousand concurrent Steam users, and it's the story is is that is six times what three got. Well, which that's pretty crazy. It, it's kind of uh, uh, it's kind of a hype wave thing. Uh, I mean, Elden Ring did well, kind of have a hype cycle, so I did a good job of not even paying attention to the fucking trailers. The only thing I knew anything about was Pot Dude, but which I finally found today. But, um, the only thing that I really even watched was, uh, I mean, there was the one dude with the removal, removable arm. That was it. And I knew that there was a horse in the game and that was about all I, uh, all I looked into. Um, so, I mean, I've pretty, you know, pretty similar, not in the hype cycle for that type of thing, but, you know, was aware of certain things. Um, yeah, uh, Fuck. Uh, oh yeah, the uh, the another thing here you were saying about uh, Horizon. Uh, see, about half of uh, half of Horizon Forbidden West 
sales were digital. And I actually learned a little uh, little tidbit after I had hit the buy button. Um, apparently, you could have purchased the PS4 version of Horizon Forbidden West digitally and gotten a free upgrade to the PS5 version for $60. Or you could purchase the PS5 version straight up for you know, for seventy dollars, because there was a uh, there was a obligation. Somebody had uh, you know somebody had I forget exactly who said it, um, but the uh, the obligation was you could uh, that there was going to be a free upgrade to the PS5 version, and then so, you know Sony started advertising it for seventy dollars. Uh, so it was kind of. Um, it's kind of misleading because you had to really dig to find the $60 price point for the PS4 version, uh, which included the free upgrade to PS5. Uh, so I could have saved $10 on, on my, you know, on my purchase if I had known that beforehand. Uh, uh, and most people, uh, most people fell into the, this is the price that you're going to pay $70 trap that Sony was pushing right in front of everybody's faces. Um, you know, you know, buying the PS5 version of it. So it's it seems like they got away with it. Uh, you know, and they didn't lose too much money off of the uh, the obligation for the free upgrade. Um, it sucks. Uh, but I mean, where we are going right now, games are going to be seventy dollars, guys. It's just that's just the way it's going to be. Um, unfortunately that's just the way it's going to be, but you look at, you know, you look at game prices over the past, you know, over the course of time, game prices really haven't changed and a lot has changed as far as the economy is concerned. So, you know, uh, it was just a matter of time before prices of games went up. Um, I hope it doesn't go up anymore. I'm pretty sure that if anything went past uh, went past seventy dollars at this point for a video game, yeah, there's yeah, there's not going to be you know it's going to be PS Five leading the way those seventy dollar titles. Yeah, uh, they're not the only ones. I've seen PS uh, or I've seen PC games, you know, you know, showing up for seventy dollars. Though it's not nearly as bad because most PC games you can get them on on sale. Uh, and you can get a lot of these games on sale if you are not on that hype train. You want to wait six months? Pfft, wait. There's a lot of stuff out there. Um, but I can tell you right now, Horizon's worth it. <laughs> it's worth 70 bucks. Go buy that game. Um, I will say, just to give other people a pro tip yeah. for Elden Ring, since it is part of this hype train. Um, when you get, so there's a PC gamer did a lot of good in this world by hyping up that you needed to meet the witch early on in the game. You're going to get to the, you're going to get to a point where you can level up. Once you figure out you can level up, warp back to the church at night and you will get the ability to summon. Okay. And you will get your first summon, which is three wolves. If you miss that. You're going to have to wait till much, much later in the game to get summons, and summons definitely help because the mob, there's a lot more mobs in this game than other ones. Right. 
and it helps take some of the heat off you while you attack and focus down things. Um, even if you're a magic user. Yes. And there's a lot of unlockable summons. And I still haven't... There's no boss souls. But anyways, I'm going to get off on a tangent. Yeah, we'll, we'll, but, we'll... but it's just... I want to say that just right off the top of my head. If you are playing it and you are new to the, the genre, um, go out and have fun in the open world and explore all the mini dungeons before you take on the last boss, which is exactly what I'm doing. And having a blast exploring all this extra content that's not usually part of Souls like this. Right. You know, it's it's a playground. Go play. Um, the uh, So, another thing that we, you know, that, that has happened in the last week. Um, Steam Deck is finally actually fully released. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I might actually buy one at some point. So... I'm going to wait a little while until they're more available. You're, you're going to be waiting in line for a while. Um, Do they charge you before they send it out? So the way that it's working right now is the people who had actually uh, did that, you know, the $5 down, uh, you know, situation where they, you know, did the reserve for it. Um, those, the people who got in early are, you know, getting their emails right now and they have 72 hours in which to finalize their purchase, get the pay of... Uh, you know, pay the rest of it off basically and have it shipped. Uh, and those are actually going out. That That is the Q1 release. And I guess they're going to be staggering these releases a little bit more <clears throat> because, you know, we're still in the chip shortage. So there's definitely going to be uh, a little bit of delay in getting all of these orders out. And I'm pretty sure they're out to like Q3 or Q4. Oh, right damn, now, so I'm going to be a while before I get one. You know, for wait times. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a wait. If you want to get one, though, um, you can still do the reservation. You basically just get put on the waiting list, and then you'll end up getting that email when when one becomes available. Um, that said, uh, full reviews for the uh, for the hardware has come out, uh, and of course, TechTubers have already tore it apart and put it back together again. Um, from what we've seen so far, as far as the hardware is concerned, hardware's, uh, you know, hardware's fairly well built, though it's kind of got some, some weird quirks to it. Like it does not have rumble, you know, built into it. Um, but it does have haptics with simulated rumble. Um, and what they huh. did is they put the, the haptics, which are haptics are basically a linear actuators. So it's just a, a line side that goes side. back and forth. Yeah. Um, but they've had, they have those hooked up to what looks like a coiled spring almost on the inside of the controller sides so that it spreads that haptics out over the entire, uh, you know, entire grip. Uh, and it kind of simulates a rumble feature, but there isn't an actual rumble motor, which is more of a spinning weight. Yeah, it's uh, a weight. spinning weight, yeah. Right, spinning weight. Um, and they were doing that because, A, that's power hungry, and B, it adds extra weight to the you know the device. And the device is already like a pound and a half. <laughs> so it's... Well, if you think the ones that have done haptics the best is actually the new PlayStation controller I showed you on Returnal. Mm -hmm. It's not just haptics. Like they added an extra pull to the triggers, and I was noticing that in Horizon. Actually, that is a very big thing with pulling the bow. If you are aiming down the sights and you go to pull the fucking string back, uh, 
you know, you're pulling back, uh, pull, uh, pulling back on the left or on the right trigger to pull back on the bow and then you release it to release the, you know, the arrow and there's resistance in that pull. So when you're pulling back in the bow, it has that feel of pulling back on a string. Oh, so it pull it pushes harder the fuller farther you go back. Yeah, it, that's actually really. That's cool. really interesting. It, it felt really interesting. Yeah, um, uh, that feature of the PlayStation Five controller is awesome. But back to the <laughs> back to the Steam Deck. Uh, the um, the battery life is somewhere between. Um, 90 minutes to eight hours, depending on A, the game that you're playing, B, the settings in which you set the game. Um, you want, uh, you can get a decent frame rate on most games uh, as long as you bring the uh, settings down to low or medium, uh, which still looks good on, you know, on the screen size. Uh, the, uh, but the thing is, is you have to really, really try to get to the eight-hour part that uh, that Steam had actually given you know uh, given as their battery spec. It's technically possible, but you have to really tweak shit to get you know to get eight hours out of the battery. Um, it's more realistic to get about two two and a half hours uh, out of the battery life. Um, Compatibility and, and software. Uh, compatibility, because it is SteamOS, which is running off of Linux, uh, the games need to be certified for SteamOS or Linux. Um, they do have a, you know, a Windows emulator that can, you know, that games can run on it. Uh, it does have a desktop mode. It's not, it's not your normal Nintendo Switch. It is a handheld PC. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, if you look at it from, uh, from that perspective with, you know, you know, with what is actually in your hands, um, it's a pretty powerful beast. Uh, it, it does have some weird quirkiness and compatibility issues with games that are not set up for, you know, a controller. Uh, and that is, you know, that's to be expected um overall though um most of uh, most of the tech tubers that i've watched have been pretty impressed with you know the hardware uh and the software and one of the things that uh that uh i i look into because i'm a hardware guy is how easy it is to replace parts um for instance like joystick controller uh, controller drift and stuff like that how easy is it to fix that type of thing? And from what I've been able to gather, it's eight screws to take the back plate off and four screws to take the, you know, the thumbstick out. And the thumbsticks are uh, going to be something that can be supplied by iFixit. Uh, so there's going to be teardown guides, uh, toolkits, and, uh, and spare parts that you can pick up from iFixit to actually fix the, uh, you know, fix the components of the Steam Deck, which is pretty huge. Um, so they're doing a pretty good job. Uh, from uh, uh, it, it is a loss leader because the amount of uh, uh, the amount of power, technical power that they're putting into people's hands, uh, it does not equal the price tag. <laughs> so 
uh, especially at the uh, at the lowest price point was like four hundred and four hundred or four hundred fifty dollars. Um, you're you get about the same amount of specs in a Steam Deck as you would from a uh, mid to you know mid to higher tier gaming laptop that normally retails for about a thousand. So they're loss leading on the hardware so that they can sell more software from Steam. So we'll see how you know you know they're not they're not looking to increase the prices of the Steam Deck over time, but they might look into more powerful Steam Deck features. Uh, so and those will probably have a higher price tag because of the you know you know because they're going to be using higher end components in it. So there might be multiple versions of the Steam Deck um, outside of just the storage you know, in the future, but we'll see when that happens. I mean, we got to get past the, uh, the whole chip shortage first, right? Yeah. One final thing I wanted to comment on is, um, I've been slightly trolling on, a a couple of, uh, Facebook popular, uh, PC. No gaming. way. You couldn't Magazine. be a troll. No. Well, I'm not a troll all the time, to be honest with you, <laughs> but there's been a couple of uh, posts that have had to be that had to deal with um, lost art, right? Oh. And there's for some reason people want to put that pit that in a pissing contest versus Elden Ring, and I don't. There's they're very apples and oranges, well, very. apples and shit, but <laughs> um, <laughs> jeez, um, but yeah, no, I don't see how you would compare the two at all. I want to say that I'm in a place right now where. Most games respect your time to a certain degree. You get some kind of gratification. You get something you do. You got something you're doing fun within the first hour, right? There are some games, maybe not so much, or even some of the Final Fantasy games, was it 12 or 13, that spent a large amount of time. It's like people said it took 30 hours to get fun, right? And it was also an auto battler, which was another reason why I didn't like that game. Oh, yeah. Um, Lost Art takes. 60 hours to get challenging. That's a pretty big barrier to entry. Yeah. Yeah. It does some cool things that kept you hooked on the line. Like there's a huge battle that's really cool that's still not hard. Um, no, it's just a good set piece. I died once with me just way over committing to something. Right. Um, not in that battle, but in one of the dungeons where I pulled the aggro of like two rooms on top of me and thought I could whirlwind my way through it. And that did not work. Um, but I know that the time dungeons that are in that game are not time dungeons, but the, uh, chaos was it the chaos dungeons. Chaos dungeons are timed. Yeah. Um, that those are fairly difficult. No, no. <laughs> chaos dungeons are simple. They're, they're brainless. They're, they're mindless fucking, you know, destroy waves and pod waves of you know of enemies there's the cube dungeons are a little bit more involved the um Did they change the the cubes are random um the cube dungeons will give you uh you know random like room benefits or room detriments i, I guess um, my biggest point with lost ark though is a game that respects your time that little to get to a point where you're having some fun with it that has that many systems. And I've seen the comment again, I've got a couple of threads that have 
getting up into the hundreds of comments of me just kind of fucking on fucking shitting on the game a little bit is that you don't any time that you have to spend more than 10 hours on something for it to get fun I feel like I'm starting to waste my time because that's like two gameplay sessions during the week on my work days and a full day of my day off of game session of me and truth be told and then if anybody that actually see my trolling come back to this they'll know that I'm trolling but a lot of my information comes from you and I made a value decision to stop playing it because I was 30 hours in and still like getting to the point where I was getting tired because I was so bored mm-hmm. because it was so fucking mindless the story's mindless the quests are really fucking mindless they don't let you just go out and explore the world to the, the to get through that whole entourage of 30 to 50 to 60 hours to get to tier two to be in a spot where you can start to raffle stomp some stuff and have a little bit of challenge like doesn't feel good to me that's too time waster it's like so equivalent of playing wow for the dailies and i was talking with my friend tj again because we were talking about this and our fun and with wow so we wasted five years of our life playing that I was like, there was some fun in the camaraderie for sure, right? Like, we met some good people, and there was a part of that 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 was really interesting. The other thing is the boss mechanics and the dungeon mechanics required some strategy and some thinking to get through. You had the Holy Trinity. Right. You had to min-max some stuff to get to kind of a perfect pocket to get comfortable with healing in a dungeon or getting the right threat of the right DPS, right, the right positioning. And there was that coordination of everybody to get through a puzzle, essentially, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I actually really liked that part of World of Warcraft is those puzzle mechanics and those boss fights that had multiple phases, etc. You had to do the thing. And they got needlessly cumbersome in some of the really hard stuff. But overall, there was a sense of accomplishment of getting that stuff done. And I didn't mind grinding it because it was kind of fun, even if we were all yelling at each other. But long story short, I don't feel... I felt like I had there was challenge to the early quest even World of Warcraft that did take much longer than sixty hours initially to get to the max level, like months when you played fucking classic. How many times did but, I die in the Barrens? Jesus Christ! Well, those quests were actually fairly difficult-ish. I mean, I guess I mean, you'd get to places where you pull too many or etc. Right, and then you'd be in a world of hurt. What I'm getting at is there was some challenge there. It wasn't hard, hard. But there was some challenge, and when we got to the really end stuff, it was hard, hard. Right. But at that point, you're kind of used to the game's mechanics enough that you knew how to get around it. You might not one-shot everything, but you might two- and three-shot a lot of things, right? So it's just Lost Ark is a big fucking time waster that looks really good and has some great combat mechanics, but it doesn't really seem to put you in a place where you want to do that because it wastes your time for so long before... It gets satisfying. And I don't even think that it's even at level 60 that that would get satisfying for me. That might be level 100. I would have much more fun in Diablo or a Path of Exile. I know they're not MMOs, but they are games that you can play co-op that have a similar style when it comes to the type of gameplay it is without the fucking walk back and forth seven times to drop a rock in a circle <laughs> um, type bullshit quest with really fucking horrible dialogue and voice acting and occasional moments of brilliance when it comes to some of their presentation. It's still a fucking solid ass three for mm. time waster, story, motivation to play, etc. 
Yeah. It is a solid fucking three, and I'm glad I didn't spend any fucking money on it. And I will, I will drag that into the ground. Like I, I am so. That's my biggest disappointment because I actually wanted that to be good. I, was I wanted wanting, it to be good too. You, know, I you spent just spent hundred bucks. You spent a hundred bucks. So in this in the show, we have a hundred dollars spent on something that ended up being a waste of time. Uh, I I was so disappointed with you know with the. The, there's a, sim- a simple fact that you uh, you came up with. You know, it's uh, that it doesn't. You know that. You know, and you had said something to this effect that it doesn't respect your time. I said the same fucking thing. You know, it does not respect your time. And you also had said something uh, to the effect of it takes like X amount of hours for it to be fun. Now, what can you do with those X amount of hours? So, so you can play other games, like multiple games, like three, fun. three, like, three other fucking games in that you know in that period of time. I could go through fucking Horizon Forbidden West three times, you know, three times in the period of time that it would take for me to get to tier two and have the finger quotes fun. Well, in, in the time that it took you to get to tier two. You beat Horizon. Right. Oh, for sure. And you had a much better experience with that oh. 60 hours. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. The the <laughs> thing is, is the- I'd be uh, dying like two in that time. Right. So, but I also have to, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, I, I'm going to play a, just a little bit of Devil's Advocate because I also compared Lost Ark to Final Fantasy and the, you know, the, uh, the, the, Biggest thing with Final Fantasy XIV. a couple of issues with with your time, but right, you've said multiple times that it has one of the it has the most engaging story in an MMO you've ever played. Exactly. So, so it might spend an hour on a cutscene, but you seem to have enjoyed yourself with that quite a bit. Right. So you know, while most people say that it takes a hundred hours of Final Fantasy XIV before you get to the good part in finger quotes, the thing is, is that. That uh, that whole period of time where you're uh, leveling from one to fifty, which may take you like you know thirty forty hours, depending on how fast you play or whatever the fuck it is, if you're watching the story and actually uh, you know engaging in you know in the uh, the the story gameplay of it, that is still better than what you get from any quest in Lost Ark. The entirety of the whole leveling process of Lost Ark from 1 to 50 is forgettable. I can't tell you any of the character names. I can't tell you anything other than the fact that I went across the country and I took part in a siege. And then because I took part in the siege, they gave me a uh, uh, they gave me an island and then, and then eventually a ship. And then I went over to another place that was just a little bit different and I fought in an arena and then they gave me another ship and then I went to another place and I stopped the end of the world, saw a big dragon and then I ended up going to another place and I talked to a queen and apparently I'm level 50 now. So now I'm, you know, now I'm grinding this thing. Why? (laughs) Well, it, the, the, the better thing would be like, oh, because that's fun. But I can think of like 60 hours that could beat a campaign in RimWorld. I mean, there's, like there's there's so many different things that you could do with that period of time. Like uh, and have fun with that time. You could 
you know, and and one of those things is either provide a, you know, an engaging story, provide engaging gameplay, uh, you know, have something that isn't necessarily basically built to be fucking solo for the first thirty hours, because we tried to play together and that was a fucking nightmare. Um, you know, yeah, switching between channels every time we finish a quest. Right, we fucking teleport to one place and I'm like, oh, you're in channel fifteen, I'm in channel five. Let's see if we can, you know, meet up. Oh, we passed each other through the ether. Uh, we'll have to wait three minutes before we can try again. Um, you know, a lot of craziness. The, the biggest problem with Lost Ark is it has no respect for your time. It doesn't respect your time. While you're uh, leveling, it doesn't respect your time while you're grinding to the, you know, to get to tier two. Once you get to tier two, you get to do that all over again uh, to get to tier three. And, oh, by the way, we're going to ratchet up all of the fucking RNG to, you know, to the next level of fuck you uh, to get to tier three. And then once you're at tier three, you basically have to, like, you know, either hump your fucking computer or fucking give you uh, give up your visa credit card to actually you know uh, progress any further and honestly I, I, all, all it took for me was just to get to level 50 to see what that grind was like that's why i said i was going to get to end game i want to see what it was like that's why uh, that's why i came back disappointed with it and then probably a week later i was watching a video of uh, of somebody that uh, that said okay this is how this you know this is how this game works. You either spend six months fucking grinding out all of the stuff to get to tier three and get to you know and get to this decent item level, or you could open up your wallet and in the course of one day you can get that same item level that would take uh, take you six months. And I'm like, uninstall. No. Done. I, I uninstalled it. I'm done. I, I'm done. I, I I won't I won't I won't engage in that because that right there, people can say pay for convenience, pay for you know, pay for this or that and the other thing. But honestly, when it comes down to it, time is money, and when it comes you know, when I want to spend money on something, I want to spend money on a various amount of things, not just a mountain of one thing. Especially if that one thing isn't super engaging. <laughs> So, um, I'm done with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, and I'm not sad about. I I am sad that I spent the time, but I, we needed to talk about the game on the show. So the thing that I got from the sh- from from doing that was that I had the opportunity to say that we tried something we were both looking forward to, and it ended up not being a thing that we and, were looking forward to. And you have you can definitely 100% say I told you show so and I will definitely sit there and eat that $100 because I'm not getting that back. <laughs> None of us so, are. So well, it is nearly 2 a.m. I think it's Holy time fuck. to wrap up the show. All right, yeah, definitely. So, um Justin, where can you find us? <laughs> you can find us at tiltcast.com and find us on Facebook and Twitter at slash the real tiltcast. No, it's tiltcast slash tiltcast. <laughs> YouTube slash dot com slash the real tiltcast as well as things. Um, search for us on Spotify. 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 Search for us on Spotify and iTunes. Subscribe. Um, That's where you help us out the most. Is Spotify right there? Yeah, it's the one with the white logo with the red T. Yes. Um, aside from that, find some friends of the show. You got for the love of gaming. You've got Cabbage KBG. You've got 
picking up the pixels or pupcasts, you've got noquarters.net, bmfcast.com, and tvgp.tv. They like Souls games. And with that, it's the end of the show. All right. Peace.